The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. And welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Roddycat, and you can find me at Roddycat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CBCaps on Instagram. Switch it up. Yee. And the sound effects you've heard come from none other than our other co-host, one agent underscore seventy on in on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Straight up Brooklyn in the house, representing. So jealous. (laughs) (laughs) That's a shout out to. that's a shout out to uh, the 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 Biggie uh, Netflix documentary, which reminded me of a few bits of I believe that's one of the Soul Train acceptance speeches mm. from Soul Train uh, Hip Hop Awards. So it made me think of that. But what's up, everybody? Indeed, indeed, and yes, uh, if you haven't checked out the Biggie uh, the Biggie documentary and you're a a fan of hip hop, you probably should. From what I hear, I have not yet. But I will. Oh, I will. But I, but on that, though, you can find this here podcast on the Cult of the Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. And to keep from not being spoiled about uh, coming to America, I'm just going to close Twitter. Uh, and you can also find this here podcast on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, a.k.a. Apple Podcasts, or uh uh, Spotify. Wait, I did say Spotify, did I not? I think I did. And uh, the Coles of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Remember to hit like and subscribe. Yeah, smash that like button. <laughs> <laughs> there's actually an issue of, uh, there's a comic book out this week that mentions some similar stuff to that. It's very funny. Yeah, it, it's a it's a thing in the, the YouTuber community. <laughs> or a running joke from... Mm. The YouTuber community, so absolutely, it's always funny. Uh, oh, nice. Uh, but yes, folks, uh, you can also check us out um, every Thursday night, nine thirty ish p.m. Normally, uh, <laughs> on when we record it, when we record live, rather. If you're catching us after the fight, you obviously you know you, you where you can catch us uh, as the pieces mentioned. But uh, we record live every Thursday night, nine thirty ish p.m. on the click, the Click Nation's uh, YouTube page. That's uh, YouTube.com/slash/TheClickNation, uh, and also Twitch.tv/slash/ComicBookChronicles. And again, hit like and subscribe. Yeah. All of that. 
I always feel weird doing that, but I'm glad you're the one saying that part at least. <laughs> I was about to say I'm making an audio recording. Uh, I mean, yeah, we can so, we can definitely can that. So, <laughs> but folks, we're going to get into some comic books of the week. Starting off with Avengers Mech Strike number two. Uh, the credits on this book are as follows. It is written by Jed McKay. The art is by Carlos Magno. Color artist is Guru EFX. And the letterer is VC's Corey Pettit. Lettering. And this is uh, the second issue of, this is, I believe, a limited series. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, Roddy Cat and I were both very quick to notice, and it's fairly obvious if you are familiar with some of the references in this book, but we were both very quick to notice that this is heavily inspired. That's probably <laughs> the best way to put it. It's heavily nice inspired it. by the Pacific Rim series of movies. Yes. Everything from the countdown clocks that are mentioned in this uh, in this book, similar to those calendars that you see uh, referenced in, like, I guess, factories that say X number of days since the last incident. So in this case, we have little calendar notices that say X number of days since the last, uh, uh, the last biomechanoid event, which is what the Avengers are dealing with. And throughout this issue, we have the Avengers in their brand spanking new mech suits taking on an increasing number of biomechanoid events around the world. And um, there are a few things that happen in this issue that propel the story forward, namely the reveal of who would appear to be the main antagonist of the book as well as possibly dealing with uh, uh, ways to stop or, or at least investigate how these biomechanoid creatures um, uh, seem to, you know, proliferate and, 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 uh, and multiply so quickly. So, or at least uh, enlarging themselves so quickly. So there, you know, there's, there's a few reveals in this issue and one, supposedly it's supposed to be tragic. Yeah, right. it's supposed to be shocking, but it's not because it's comics. Well, We're too old for this, well, you know. I mean, so a cynic because I always know that there's always a plan. You know, there's always like an ulterior motive in place for something like that happening this relatively early in a series. I'm usually with you on that, and I'm and I do actually. I actually, I, no, let me finish that. I am with you on that, but at the same time, like this is pretty much akin to an Elseworlds worlds. Um, on the DC side, you know, this is not necessarily main continuity. Um, yeah, it's based very close on the current continuity, but it's like a branch off. Right. So that being said, like I didn't, even with whatever the conceit going into this was and why this even came about in the first place, you know, I can't see, I I'm kind of with you that yeah, there's probably something about it, but at the same time, it's like, no, they could very well just like go with that for this particular thing, because it's not, the main continuity. Um, that said, I was still kind of bummed about it, that it happened. And I was like, why that one? Why not the other one? So, um, <laughs> the reason why the, I'll give you, I'll give you what I, what, what I initially thought when I saw that, I was like, 
the reason why this particular character or how this particular character puts himself, and that's a minor spoiler, puts himself into jeopardy seemed out of character. That's what made me think, oh, well, that's not how right. that character would act. So there's something else going on. Right. Usually have a, a little more rationality to, to him. Unless that was part of the plan, because we actually, and we have seen this character kind of do something similar in the past, you right. know, and then end up popping back up later. It's like, oh no, now I got you figured out. <laughs> right. So. Right. I was about to say, I need to, I need to get the sound drop and I've been meaning to do it because it's not the first time it's come up uh, from Shaggy. It wasn't me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get that. Nice. But um, but still, yeah, but still, yeah. I was like, oh man, really? Right? Why? And then, so, so the to kind of add on to what uh, Agent Seventy kind of said, like, yeah, coming into this issue with the, the whole um, Pacific Rim, Rim, uh, inspirations, let's say, going on, the two big brains uh, in this uh, uh, in this uh, Avengers group, that being to Black Panther and Iron Man, you know. Are kind of button bumping heads on. They're pretty much at a at a um, at a plateau because they can't right. really. They've, 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 yeah, exactly. They've kind of hit a wall. Yeah, and, and they're trying to figure things out. And so we see while everyone else is out in their mech suits, kind of taking taking on the stuff. They're you know kind of behind the scenes, uh, you know, trying to figure out what's what's really going on. And they're at a um, and they're at an impasse with it. As, as I just said, they they hit a wall. So that being said, um, I did like the fact, which I thought they were going to do something more with that, and maybe they still will, I guess, that Spider-Man, who is also on this iteration of the team, kind of has um, not necessarily an off, off, offbeat um, uh, uh, theory about, you know, things, because, you know. Spider, you know, Pete's not uh, Pete's not dumb. He, he's he's quite intelligent himself. You know, he may not be well, genius level like 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 those other two, but you know. What I was gonna say is, at least in this iteration of the Avengers, he's probably fourth, right? Because you've got Stark, you've got T'Challa, you've got Banner, and then him, right? So, but 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 with Banner uh, hulking out in at this particular point in the story, right. he's like the next. Uh, the next kind of le- next level of like genius, next le- next genius level mm-hmm. in the hierarchy. So it makes sense that they would that that McKay would let him play out a particular, you know, like at least the um, let 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 him play out uh, a theory, you know, mm-hmm. let that particular thread play out and see where that leads them. Right. So I expected a little bit more out of that going into it until we get the reveal of who the actual big bad is, which honestly. Um, I don't know about you, but I was like, you know what? I don't know why. And actually, they were even like that. I was like, we didn't even think about They kind of were like, we didn't even think about this. And I'm like, you know what? I didn't think about that either. <laughs> it was a surprise to me. It was absolutely a surprise to me. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not even, you know, I'm not even understating it because I was definitely looking outward. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily inward, but this is definitely a different direction than those two. Right. So, so, you know, this is, we're all, you know, uh, bear in mind, ladies and gentlemen, that we are tap dancing around revealing who it is uh, at, that is revealed as supposedly the main antagonist behind these biomechanoid right. uh, constructs. But at the end of the day, 
it's not the biggest surprise because you you know there's there's a certain roster of Avengers villains that tend to get picked over, mm-hmm. but it still it still was not an obvious choice. And they kind of went through a couple of said said villains. Like granted, one of them is less of an Avengers villain than you know than not, but still they've they've had run-ins. Um, but yeah, like and I guess. Maybe I guess one of the part of it is like if it really gave really thought about who could it actually have been because it could have very well been they ginned up a very a brand new villain for this they could have very <laughs> well did that so there was no reason to believe that it was a known quantity much less this one you know but right. I guess thinking about things is like hmm uh, so to the creative team's credit on that also Jed McCain and, and crew uh, on that because like if it had been too obvious then we would have been like okay yeah sure we saw this one coming what can be, but, but I suspect no one did you know even with what would uh, potentially be the clues here you know mm-hmm. and even the clues that the, 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 the person even kind of mentioned which you know like I said again no reason to believe that it couldn't have been a brand new person for this particular thing so, like that. Props to them for that because that definitely wasn't was was not a, an expected thing. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. And uh, because uh, we still got what three issues or something, two or three issues. So, which is also brings up the weird thing because uh, because it was like, well, this is second issue. This is issue two. So why is the reveal now? <laughs> As opposed to like three uh, issue three, unless it's like a unless it's not. Uh, unless it's like a four issue or a three issue or something like that, because like the only reason why you would do a reveal like right now is if you just kind of turn in a corner, right? I would. Uh, I uh, I just had you know just a few things to add. One, it's it's clear that the target demographic for this book is meant to skew a little younger than us. True. It's meant to skew a little younger than maybe even the the mean age of comic book readers now, which unfortunately does skew a little older. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I still had lots of fun just sort of reading through the characters. Yeah. As as Roddy Cap mentioned, I believe when we reviewed the first issue of this miniseries, the banter and the back and forth between the characters is evocative. It's definitely inspired by the banter between the characters as you found them on Earth's Mightiest Heroes and the mm-hmm. Avengers cartoon. Yep. Uh, from 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 several years back, and it's fun to read. We don't necessarily need all the drama that we see in the regular Avengers book, right. you know, uh, which is actually what we're getting this week. And also, I want to add that Carlos Magno, uh, his art, his art on some of the the characters is a little, you know, he he kind of draws them a little thick. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, the at least the, some of the male characters, but his monster work is incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, speaking of art, so that you're saying that, um, like the couple of pages, there were a couple of pages in the beginning that were, or at least a couple of panels in the beginning of it that was like, eh, this is a little hard to suss out what's going on here, but at the same time, it still works. You know, for what it, for what they were trying to convey. Because it was just like there was like too much going on in in a, in, a, in a couple of the panels, uh, early on, but it still kind of smoothed out. Uh, but yeah, like you said, yeah, this has definitely been a fun read, and and nothing kind of kind of you know hold too much um, 
too much thought behind. Hell, even with the conceit that we honestly kind of picked on before, we, you know, when we when this was even announced, which honestly, you know, one, who doesn't like mechs? So I was like, <laughs> Avengers and mechs? Sure, sign me up. Even though, And this is not the first time they've done that, by the way. Um, as we have already said, I think, in the past. But also there was, like, I believe Age of Seven said, like, why would, why would XYZ Avengers need mechs? Which we come to find out why that is. And it's, you know, even the case of that works, you know. Right. <laughs> you don't lean right. your head into I mean, they, it too they much. They contrive a reason, right. They contrive a reason to literally have Captain Marvel and Thor and, and uh, Hulk require mechs. Mm-hmm. And the Hulk require mechs. <laughs> so I was like, all right, yeah, it works out fine. Ain't no need to, <laughs> no need to, to, to make a thing out of this. It's, it's all good fun. You know, like literally characters that like, you know, punch Thanos in the face, you know? Like who never thought about mechs when it's like, hey, there's Galactus. We need to go, you know, hit him. Nope, mm-hmm. no mechs. I halfway expect it, and I guess it could still very well happen. Who, who who's to say? Especially right. with what happens at the end of, at the end of this issue. Um, I half expect it for the Hulk character, or actually maybe it could happen to, to Iron Man to have an MCU moment where you know where Iron Man's in the Hulk Buster time. Like, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Like this is kind of seems like the kind of thing that they would kind of throw in there just on just on some off you know just some in the in some random battle, but they seem to be restraining themselves to a point. Pacific Pacific Rim on the table, MCU well still kind of on the table, but not to the extent that that I'm thinking. Right. That being said, uh, if you got unless you got something else uh, you want to talk about it, yeah, we we enjoyed this one. I think it's safe to say. It was fun. It, it, the, the the whole idea of the series is fun, and I'm actually trying to figure out where the connected toy line is. Right, exactly. Where that, is it? Mm-hmm. Is it out there? Did I miss something? Was it supposed to be at Toy Fair this year? And because it was, and, 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 but because of uh, COVID, uh, it didn't happen. It was, it was supposed to happen virtually. Did we miss this? I think. Wait, I thought it did happen virtually. No, I mean, I'm talking about Mech Strike. The introduction oh, 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 of like right. a Avengers Met Strike, Mech Strike toys, uh, right. toy line. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, I have not. I don't recall seeing anything um, of the sort. Which I agreed. I'm like, yeah, where the heck is that? Because I was thinking that same thing a couple of minutes ago before I, uh, while I was talking about other stuff and didn't say it. Um, maybe there will be one. You know, maybe. At the very least, I feel like there's if it's not a toy line, there's probably going to be an animated uh, uh, and not an animated show, but an animated um, either a movie or something. Mm-hmm. You know, or a interestingly, short. I was about to say, uh, sorry to interrupt, no, no, you're... but uh, interestingly, um, there's a Lego set. There are Lego sets. Yeah. That that kind of incorporate this idea, but not specifically this mech strike idea. Right. Yeah. Which yeah, so that goes. So they you know right. liberties there. Um so yeah, I would I would be shocked if there's not an, another property uh another another thing based off of this comes out of it. Um whether it be toy or some some show or something. <laughs> sure. Like, here's Lego Avengers Mech Strike, or you know, or even just like, oh, hey, there's a Lego Avengers Mech Strike short. 
and just kind of coming off of this. So, you know, stay tuned if that actually ever happens. Alrighty then. Shocking. What's next? Uh, I guess we get to the other Avengers book while we're here. Sure. So Avengers number 43. Alrighty. This book is written by Jason Aaron with art by Javier Garon. Colors by David Curiel and letters by VC's Corey Petit or Pettit. Yeah, Take I've it always, away. yeah, I've always said Pettit. I'm not sure. I think I'd get a uh, get a ruling on that one. Uh, but yeah, so here we are. We're still in the Into the Phoenix uh, uh, part of the arc. Well, the the Into the Phoenix arc where they're still having their contest of champions. Uh, we start off relatively strong with a. Black Panther versus Wolverine fight. I'm not going to get into too much of it, you know, to, to keep to keep it, you know, spoiler light. But that was in a somewhat interesting fight, I guess. But then we get into um, what they should get into partially is that um, Thor wrestling with his with the revelations from last issue, um, and him trying to deal with that, and then of course we have the other con- uh, the, some other contestants that are um, going through their battles, and uh, we at, at the end of this we see uh, someone say the, the semifinalists, I guess some would say, uh, at the end of this, uh, I guess preparing to square off, and we also even get a teaser of um, I know who's that Pokemon style of the next, which uh, in the reveal for the next cover of the next issue where we might possibly see who's going to be the next uh, Phoenix. But uh, over the, over in all of this one, it was just like, yeah, there's, there's a couple of fights here uh, and there, you know, um, we see some people get knocked out, but we also see some things, you know, we also see what's going on back at uh, Avengers Mountain outside of the Phoenix, uh, this Phoenix white room chamber, whatever it is, you know, with, um, and I totally forgot about this. Keep forgetting about this part where Namor's people is trying to, was, was basically, uh, there for whatever odd reason, you know, backing him up, of course, while he's there. You know, right. So there's a big fight outside, outside of Avengers mountain. That's, uh, that's going on and the fights that are going on inside of the thing. So, yeah, I've because of course there is of, right. Exactly. You gotta, you gotta, you know, if, if we know anything about Jason Aaron, he will throw some fights in there for, you know, for, for sakes, for sakes. <laughs> but, um, overall, like, yeah, it was, it was an all right issue. Like I said, it was, um, how can I say this? Uh, while the action was what it was, it was still pretty, um, I don't know. I don't know why I'm thinking about this, but it's, it was pretty talkative more than it probably should. And I, that's not something I'm usually usually would say because, like, I don't, you know, I don't mind dialogue, a lot of dialogue, and it's not really a whole lot of dialogue, but just what it is in there is kind of in clumps, you know. Well, what it does, what what it does emphasize is it emphasizes the characters that have made it thus far and right. how they've made it thus far, mm-hmm. and what some of their motivations are, and and. And even the fights that we don't necessarily see the outcomes of, or at least, you know, the blow by blow, we don't necessarily see a lot of the blow by blow for a lot of these fights, but we see the aftermath and who comes out of them mm-hmm. and how they come out of them. So it's, you know, that, that at least we get, 
I agree with you that the potential reveal of Thor's uh, background that happened at the la- at the end of last issue and was kind of played out just a little bit in the in this issue was given a little bit of short shrift, which maybe makes me think that that was a swerve. Yeah, especially with what was being said during the the conversation in this issue. Yeah. Right. So we'll see if that ever uh plays out and 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 confirms what's being alleged. Mm-hmm. But that made me think it's a swerve, but we'll see, you know, this is supposed to be concluded in the next issue and my feeling is that we're going to be jumping what is this? So this is the beginning of March. So then they'll have the next issue coming in. They don't give us a date, but it's probably coming sometime in April, which leads <coughs> right into Heroes Reborn in May. Right. So we will see how the how, how the events of this issue play out into launching the Heroes Reborn event. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I guess going back to that conversation, um, slightly like even with what was actually being said at you know in this conversation at the moment, like yes, it, it's easy to feel like yeah, that's probably a swerve because it, it's kind of one of those things that sounds like well, yeah, this is true in a certain point of view, you know, type of situation. The way that the you know, but even though we don't know what exactly you know, if anything, there is to that conversation. Right. You know, or if there's any validity to, to it at all. <clears throat> but, yeah, we'll see. So, that being said, uh, you, uh, you got another book you want to? Let's see what you read here. Yeah, I don't know. Let's talk America Chavez, made in the USA number one. Sure. It's written by Kalinda Vasquez, with art by Carlos Gomez, colors by Jesus Abertov, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So I'm not nearly as familiar with the America Chavez character as I should be. I freely admit that. I did not read her first appearance. Mm. I only read a few issues of Young Avengers when they slotted her in as a Young Avengers member. Um, in, I guess, like the later runs. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't stick with that particular limited series mm-hmm. and I did not read the West coast Avengers that she was a part of. I did not really read the relaunch mm-hmm. of, of her, you know, of her self-titled book. I think they called it America. Yes. So I, you know, I, I freely admit not being very familiar with the character. So I definitely benefited from this book tying her. I, I'm not sure if, if this other aspect of her origin was told, but I definitely appreciated this aspect of her origin being told if this is new. I'm going to say from what I know of, this has never been now, granted, I also like you did not read her her intro uh, into um, intro her yeah you know, yeah her first appearance. Uh, as a right, matter of fact, I've been meaning to. Book. Right, I didn't read that, 
So, but I had seen that, you know, she had come from like this utopian parallel place and she was raised by two mothers Mm -hmm. and that, you know, like that was the basics of it. Right. Right. So I knew that she was, uh, uh, if not, you know, if not by definitely, you know, in the LGBT realm because, you know, of her love interest that they, that they portrayed and, um, I also had a, a vague, a super vague idea of what her powers are. Right. So what I appreciate about this particular issue is that it gives us more insight into her character, into possibly creating more of a, a way of grounding her in this, you know, in, in, in our reality, as it were, or at least the 616 reality. Mm-hmm. And I definitely appreciated the way this issue played out because... The trope of someone coming from another dimension and or world and finding themselves on Earth is obviously tried and true. There's a reason why it's been used over and over again. Hmm. But it definitely it definitely doesn't feel old in this issue because it it at least helped me ground her ground this character in a little bit more of the Marvel reality that I'm used to reading. Right. Uh, and to this book's credit, and even the last couple of volumes of her, well, I guess I, I guess that was only that one book. Well, no, because I think they did re, re, uh, redo that one. But the basically last couple of volumes of her book, they do kind of go a length to say, like, yeah, here's her, you know, here's her power set. Here's her, here's one, where she's from. Here's, you know, uh, some sort of a background for people, you know, like yourself who, who are not familiar. Um... You know, uh, but like I was actually forgot to remember for uh, continue saying was that um, her original appearance, which was from some book from back in from 2011, from what I'm reading here. And I keep saying I was going to read that, but I definitely read the like the Young Avenger stuff, her uh, vengeance book. book. That's the vengeance book that that that's her actual first appearance that I was Correct. referring to. I'm like, I barely remember seeing that on the news on, not on the newsstands on the comic books, uh, shop, uh, shelf. Right. I'm like the team brigade, like that team brigade, like, <laughs> um, like, okay, sure. And yeah, she was a member of the team brigade in that book of what to say, which actually every time actually funny, this comes up though, because when America Chavez's book, uh, you know, her solo book came up, uh, the last time, and what other miniseries came up there, I keep saying, I'm going to read this book to see what's, what happened or to see what, you know, um, to see what, see what part she plays in it, basically. Because I do remember there has been something that is actually, like there was a flashback to something that may or may not have been in this book, in that original book. Uh, that was, uh, that either, that kind of came out in either West Coast Avengers or... Um, her solo title proper. Uh, I don't remember. So it would kind of cause me to kind of want to want to go back and read that, but I never do. And this is kind of one of those times where it's like, you know, I, I, maybe I should, if it's, if it's relevant, hopefully it is, but. Uh, right. I mean, I thought, you know, I, I, re- I recall that you were reading the West coast Avengers, the last mm-hmm. volume of West coast Avengers. I know that Kate Bishop who makes an appearance in this issue mm-hmm. was a part of that. Uh, assembling of heroes, so and assemblage also, of heroes, so right. and um, and also the origin and uh, the beginning of her uh, current love interest. 
Right. I was going to say, I, I, uh, I was like, who's Ramon? I'm like, oh, wait, that's not who I was expecting to be Ramon. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, really? It's not Ramon. It's actually Ramon. Oh, fine. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, I, I I say that in jest, but that's uh, that's essentially what my thinking was when I was reading this. Like, that's a Ramona fine, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Which, uh, when going into this book, because uh, it made it sound like, wait, they're not together anymore? They, they just really got together. But no, then as you go read this book, read through this book, it's like, oh, no, they're still together. It's great. That's awesome. Um, but, uh uh, yeah, and I, I was actually kind of surprised that they put, you know, that they, uh, that they, um, that they, um, actually, I'm not surprised that they, 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 they continued that because I was hoping someone would, but also, uh, so going on another side of this, we kind of get to see that, uh, going back to the stuff that I don't think has previously been told, uh, we get to see that America may or may not have a similar, uh, part of an origin story to a DC character who wears the same colors, but is a male and is yeah. an alien. Uh, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> right, exactly. well, that's what I was hinting at earlier. Mm-hmm. So, and I knew you were, so. You know? Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, you, so, cut out, you cut out for a second. What'd you say? Oh, no, I said it's a tried and true trope. Mm-hmm. So, but, uh, you know, but, but all that said, uh, I definitely appreciated that, and there was a, um, there was a guest appearance. This is something that Roddy Cat and I were joking about just prior to the beginning of the show, mm-hmm. and uh, there is a guest appearance here. It's not a cover guest appearance, so it's kind of a surprise. But and... it also feels obligatory, and I hated that part. But at the same time, like you know what, if you're gonna <laughs> if you're gonna put a, a character in this, if you're gonna have this character be in the spot sure okay <laughs> then you're gonna have right. a, a mainstay uh happen to show up for whatever right, reason it is because because it is the world outside your window and the marvel universe <laughs> is connected so it makes it, it stands to reason that certain heroes would cross paths with other heroes mm-hmm. and one that uh on like another character that has um has had some shot of spotlight actually well this character was in another book but technically as one of the uh main and not a, a cameo but kind of like another person from this week who, who's had a couple of cameo appearances as we uh talked about this one has had many cameo appearances in many books in his heyday and even now so again you probably know who i'm talking about <laughs> you don't even have to think about it that hard I was about to say, if uh, you know, we're we're doing our best to spoil very little. Right. So, if we actually spoiled where America's origin has been at, where where the addition to um, America Chavez's origin has been mm-hmm. revealed, you know, where where that takes place, then a whole list of characters headed by this character would probably be, you know, front and center, you know, like uh, first and foremost amongst your thinking. Right, so we'll, I will basically you know, because, say that because if we said it was Atlanta, then you'd be like, "Huh," you know, right. <laughs> but it's not. Right, but she basically switches coasts uh, for for this, and we come to find out her origins are are uh, at some point steeped in the coast that she is not 
uh, usually associated with. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> exactly. And of course, in the place where you would expect most of superheroes flow in right. this universe. So, so yeah. right. So, but overall, yeah, I was going to say overall, I appreciated this book for what it did for the character for me, mm-hmm. and that, that 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 says a lot because as I as I stated earlier, my experience with the character was very hit and miss. Very much, I had seen her in some team books, but not. But but really not understanding what it is that she does, which is still kind of nebulous, you know. It's kind of like, well, you travel between dimensions, great, you know. Oh, you're su- you're super strength and su- super tough, great. But how is all that related, you know? Right. So that that part was always uh, a little tough on my superhero sensibility, but I definitely appreciated this book for 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 as I said earlier, without truly grounding her, mm-hmm. placing placing her in a in a different context in relation to you know the 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 Earth six one six right, and they've done I guess yeah the 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 other point that I forgot to mention is they they have I don't know somehow sometimes purposely softened her from the young Avengers to now, even when she was with the, the ultimates, you know, cause she was always this kind of, uh, and she still kind of is, you know, she's some of that's still there, but they, they, I feel like they've, they've kind of, as you say, grounded her, softened her a little, a little bit. I was about to say, I didn't say softened, but definitely grounded. No, her I said bit. softened, but right. You, yeah, right. But you said because, grounded. because I guess she did come off brash, right? But, at the same time, not understanding her powers is kind of like, okay, you know, like I didn't understand too much about her origin other than where she's from and how she was brought up. That's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's what I'm saying from, so from, from her when she was, uh, well, I, I can't say introduced because obviously we neither one of us read when she was introduced, but from Young Avengers to her solo stuff to even Ultimates, you know, mm-hmm. and even the Ultimates that she led, you know. That well, that she quote unquote led, or that was you know, you know um, that was what it was. But I still enjoyed that, regardless. Um, you know, they they've kind of definitely grounded slash soft softened her in the in the past few years for whatever. Which I like, brash. Uh, again, some of that's still there, but I liked um, always liked uh, uh, brash kind of cocky uh, America. But you, I guess this is their way of showing like she's growing. You know, she's she's not the same character well she is but she isn't the same character that she has been all the, all that time you know there's she has a little bit more nuance than she's been given credit to and this book seemed like it's trying to uh and it's establish that right right and trying to go a length to 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 uh to to bear that out so and but yeah i am also uh enjoying this book uh partially for that but just because i also like the character so you know america america Chavez is probably one of my you know outside of like uh, kamala and and uh um, right and like riri you know right, but given that she was introduced back in 2011 she really has not had much of a chance to develop right. over time her solo books have not gone anywhere and her team appearances didn't exactly expand on the character that much. So I appreciate that this mini series or the series, at least yeah. I don't want to, you know, say that it's a mini series off the bat, but the series, it is. hopefully, is it a mini series? I, I mean, That's what... this one kind of came. Well, cause we talked about this being a thing that happened that was coming up, but, uh, I, 
I believe it is a mini series because I don't. I'm almost certain it is not uh, not an ongoing. Right, but because they don't. That's probably they don't why the idea came into my mind right away. Right, you know, having seen it in uh, previews or solicitations. Mm-hmm. But in any event, getting back to the book itself, just. I, I definitely appreciate that it, it, it created a more human character. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's what it comes down to is that we, I definitely saw this character in a much more uh, human light and it, it made for easier reading on my part. So I definitely appreciate that. So, you know, that's, that's good on uh, good on, on Marvel, good on editorial and definitely good on the writer, Kalinda Vasquez for creating this kind of story and this direction for America to kind of help, uh, draw people into uh, the character story. Mm. So, um, two things. One, speaking of Kalinda Vasquez, um, it looks like she wrote Runaways or is she writing Runaways now? No, that's Rainbow Rainbow Roll. Rainbow Roll has been in, or Rowell, has been in charge of the latest reboot of Runaways since it started. Okay, but apparently, according to Comixology, she has written uh, for Runaways. Or maybe Marvel, it says Marvel's Runaways, so Runaways, so maybe the TV show. show, Right. And that being on that note, we have some more news um, about her in the news section, actually, because she has another thing that um, uh, looks like it's coming up. But also, according to Comixology, it looks like this is a, a five-issue miniseries. There it is. So, there you go. So, we will enjoy it while it's here. Uh, that being said, we can move on unless you got something else about it. Nope. Uh, What's next? And given that you have uh, more books than I do, because I think I only have like one more book, and we can, we can save that one. Uh, for 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 the rapid fire, unless you read it. Uh, no, didn't, didn't. read it. Uh, let me so, see yeah. if there's anything here I would like to discuss. Um, let me do Berserker number one from Boom Studios. My love for you is like Berserker. <laughs> berserker 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 all right um now we're done you got it you got them all out <laughs> right this is the book uh created by keanu reeves it's written by keanu reeves and matt kint the art is by ron garney colors by bill crabtree and letters by clem robbins so it's basically so, written by matt kent everyone wants to say that we don't know for sure. I mean, but in the we... sense that, in the sense that, you're probably right in in uh, when it comes to creating a script, mm-hmm. and also in the sense of creating something that a comic book artist can follow. Right. Right. But I had the same discussion at the comic book store the other day, and I said we don't know that. Mm-hmm. We actually don't. We we don't know how familiar. Keanu is with how the medium is created. We don't know what his treatment was written like. I kind of feel like we kind of do all based off of this one at the very least, but I can't, I would have to go back and look at some stuff that, that when this book was announced, because I feel like there was a book and there was a couple of articles, articles about it, but you are right in the fact that, yeah, that's probably more than what we, what we're giving them credit for. 
Right. Well, well, we assume, and and right. we're not unfortunately wrong in assuming because more often than not, anytime someone who has celebrity status is given some sort of writing or creating credit, unless it's clearly delineated in the credits that it's inspired by a story concept or something along those lines, like story concept mm. by so-and-so, and then it goes into like script by so-and-so, it's hard to really figure out who is responsible for what. But in this case, uh, you know, uh, Keanu Reeves and Matt Kint are, are credited as the writers and the story that they come up with isn't the newest, but it's definitely put together in a great package mm -hmm. in very broad strokes. And obviously I'm not really spoiling anything because this is what was in the articles announcing the, um, the idea, the the launch of the story, and and, and the basic premise behind the story is that um, the character, the lead character in this, is essentially someone who has a background that may be uh, rooted in the supernatural. That gives this character some level of invulnerability, immortality, and some other aspects that uh and, and possibly some enhanced strength some uh, some other things that allow this character to uh run roughshod over entire armies by himself he does not come out of it unscathed but it definitely allows this character to take point on any sort of you know military mission that he's given and the, the 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 point of the story is that if this actually happened in something close to reality, where else would this uh, character be but at the head of a top secret United States military operation? And, you know, being used as the point of the spear, as it were, the tip of the spear, as it were, and, you know, leading various... Uh, uh, military missions and the way the story is put together is really one long extended action sequence but with some narration here and there providing us with a little bit of the backstory a little bit of the berserkers backstory and then when we get to the end we have a little bit of a reveal and i guess a point, you know, uh, the, 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 what we get is not just the reveal of possibly where this Berserker character comes from, but what his motivations are at this point in his life. So that's essentially where we find ourselves at the end of the first issue. And it was, you know, it, it's, it's executed very well. You know, you're, we're not coming to this book to get, you know, the deepest of stories. We're definitely not doing that. But what we are coming here for is uh, some some fun action, some graphic action. You know, there's definitely some, uh, some violence uh, depicted here that's pretty graphic that can sometimes only be done in the comic book medium. But at the end of the day, what we have is a pretty entertaining first issue with the tease of where this could go. So ultimately I want to say it's kind of a Vandal Savage-esque origin 
but you know, but not necessarily having to deal with like a meteor, right? Huh. You know, it's like what, what what would Vandal Savage do if he was trying to accomplish something, you know, other than taking over the world, right? Right. That's essentially what we have here. Hmm. Okay. Why did I feel right. like that sounds almost like a, val- a Valiant book? It's similar. Like I said, it's not the most original idea, but, you know, it's all in the execution. Truth. Truth. Well, yeah, like I said, I haven't had a chance to check it out yet, but I um, I, I, I will. Right. It I sounds like Eternal Warrior, which I'm not that familiar exactly. with, but... Yeah, that's which is what made me think about that. And I don't even know if we even mentioned that when uh, when we knew this book, uh, when we, this book was announced. But you know, and I am not going to sit here and say that I've read a whole lot of Eternal Warrior either. But you know, the, the character is kind of a surprisingly known, I guess. Right. <laughs> but if the motivations are different, then they're different characters. So. Right. But uh, believe, but in any event, and I believe they kind of are to an extent. But I don't like. I'm, I would, familiar, I would, I'm not familiar with the Eternal Warrior that right, much. I exactly. just with the concept. Right. So, but yeah, in any event, you know, it was it was entertaining. It was definitely entertaining. So, um, that will be the last book I do before we get to rapid fire because I've got quite a few to run through. So I will spin it up if that's okay. That's okay. All right, folks, rapid fire. In fact, I will go ahead and do my last one um, because I only have the last one uh, outside of the one that I'm kind of skimming over right now. (laughs) Uh, Next Batman, the next Batman Second Son, number two, to be specific, uh, written by, which is what I read, not what I'm skimming through. Um... Let me get the the thingy thingy here. Uh, I know it's written by John Ridley, uh, and I don't know where the heck the book is in our comics. Um, I know it's here. Oh, there it is, right there. Haha. Because um, I didn't have time to to uh, write the stuff down. But uh, bear with me for a moment, folks. Do, 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 do. Here we go. Uh, written by John Ridley, pencils by uh, Tony Akins and Travel Foreman, uh, breakdowns by Marco Falia, inker Mark Morales, colors uh, Rex Locus, and letterer is Darren Bra- uh, Darren Bennett. So, in this particular issue, uh, are you planning on reading this? I'm not going to spoil it either way, but are you planning on reading this? Uh, I hadn't. But if it's worth if if it's worth looking into, I'll take a look. It's only two issues uh, so far. Yeah. So this is basically taking place uh, before or the or kind of sort of at the start or the beginnings uh, of uh, Future State. So oh, this, so this is actually part of. It's going to keep going into Infinite Frontier. Okay. Right. Uh, so and this is even before he even gets. I, I assume this is like how. This is shaping up to be how he gets to be Batman. Because we, as we know, uh, Lucius Fox's other son, uh, Tim, a.k.a. Jace, or Jace, a.k.a. Tim, uh, becomes the next Batman in Future State, uh, which just finished up last uh, last month. 
but this is, uh, I, I am assuming, how he gets to that point. Uh, so it is early on before, you know, you see the shapings of some things, some of the stuff that's going on in uh, Gotham with, um, you know, with the mayorship and the the laws, the law that uh, comes about. So you see some early shades of that in this issue. But also you see mostly some some family issues going on because um, um, it seems that at the end of uh, last issue, uh, Jay slash Tim was somewhat summoned home uh and we know that tim uh, tim slash jace is kind of sort of on the outs with various members of his family for reasons that we've kind of find out some of which in this book but we don't know the the impetus of the main um breaking break within this family like we know something that happened you know and even in the the future states though we we kind of know that uh, but we kind of get shades of that here, whether we're more likely we're going to get a little bit more of that going forward in this issue. I mean, in this, uh, in this series. Uh, but for the most part, we see a lot of that going on with the, you know, dealing with, uh, him coming home. Uh, we see a, a little shot of Lucius, uh, in the background talking about some stuff and, and, uh, some, you know, some interpersonal, um, uh, uh, chats between various members of the family, but we also get to see, um, and I guess this is a spoiler, but not such a much a spoiler that apparently, uh, Luke Fox, who we know was Batman, uh, previously, but ended up being Batwing, who we not have not seen, um, much of, not that I know of, unless he was with the Outsiders. Was he with the Outsiders of that last iteration of Outriders? Uh, Outsiders? I don't know. I don't think so, but yeah, I'm not he sure. Might, he might have been in the one before that, I know, uh, but I don't remember. Regardless, it doesn't matter because he shows up here as Batwing at the, uh, at this point in time. So, you know, that whole reveal that we got in the next Batman Future State book uh, of uh, Tim, you know, being being Batman, which, um, you know, and people thinking it's Luke, which we I guess we were kind of already spoiled on that because you know we were told by DC <laughs> prior to the book coming out for some stupid reason. Um, that would have still probably been the case here, or somewhat of the case here, let's just say, I guess. But overall, like I said, we're starting to get some story that we didn't get to see uh, in the Future State book, and uh, you know I would assume that it's going to lead up to a certain point in Future State to where Jace gets uh gets the bat suit. We don't know why he was called home by his dad, by Lucius. We can kind of assume that may or may not be the case. I mean, I don't see why it would be the case at this point, but I'm sure there's some something that's going to lead up to it. But it was not a bad read. So this is a, also for worth mentioning that this is a digital first uh comic uh, uh before I hand it back over. So which means they will make a print version of this at some point. Um, and I'm not sure how many issues it's going to going to be in that case, but you know, uh, that's what we're going to get. So that's it for me. All right, now as we get into this, get back into the spirit of rapid fire. <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, I'm like, really? 
<laughs> oh, shit. Like you, like you haven't gone on some books. <laughs> oh, I try. What is? I try not to. I try not to reserve them for rapid fire. But every once in a while, in the in the spirit of trying to get things moving, right? Um, we do our best not to. But it happens. Yeah, but in, so, and in this in this particular issue, because I can't. One, I couldn't remember if we actually mentioned it was digital first, and two, like they, you know, like the, the this book's this book is kind of getting a place that we know and know of. So there is a little bit something to kind of kind of parse out, but also may or may not have been needing such a ex- lengthy explanation that what I've given it, given it. Gotcha. Well, I'm going to flip the switch to full auto and go rapid fire. <laughs> I've already done it. I'm talking about figuratively. Mm-hmm. So infinite frontier number one. And I would zero. suggest that anyone what's that zero. Oh, number zero. Yeah, that's right. Infinite Frontier number zero. I should read it right off my sheet. Infinite Frontier number zero, because uh, actually there's some news that came out that this is the first of a miniseries. So uh, it's written by Joshua Williamson. Well, actually, the framing sequence and I guess the way it is set up uh, is written by Joshua Williamson with James Tinney in the fourth and Scott Snyder. The art is by John Timms, and the colors by Alex Sinclair. There are multiple creative teams present, um, and 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 they present excerpts from the new Infinite Frontier relaunches. So if you're looking for a place to see where the immediate future of the DC universe is going, this is the book for you. This gives you a little bit of a taste of where all of these books are headed. Uh, sometimes these tastes are two, maybe three pages at most, but it's enough for you to get an idea of what direction these books seem to be going in with the greater framing device of Wonder Woman coming off of uh, Dark Knight's Death Metal. Excellent! So uh, that is Infinite Frontier number zero. Uh, first up, the the... The first book that I've read coming out of Infinite Frontier is Batman number 106. It's written by James Tinney in the fourth. There's a backup story written by Joshua Williamson. Uh, the, the prime story is by is uh, drawn by Jorge Jimenez. The backup by Gleb Melnikov. And the colors are by Tomo Mori. And letters by Clayton Cowles. Uh, this serves as a pretty good jump into the precursor for the stories that were in um, uh, Future State in the Batman air in the Batman uh, wing of the DC universe, where we get uh, uh, the explanation and the and the the lead into the whole magistrate thing and and how that all starts. So and. One thing that I that I said about the Future State Batman family of books is that they seemed to be the closest in terms of uh, possible near futures uh, time-wise. So uh, that definitely plays out here. I'm not sure how long this uh, story is going to play out in the Infinite Frontier books until we actually get to where Future State brought us. So we'll see how that goes, but that's that's how this plays out. So if you were keeping up with any of the Bat books in Future State, then it is probably advisable that you jump on Batman and or Detective to see where they lead 
and uh, obviously, if you're in that family of books, you can look at some of the other ones as well. Right. I would say uh, real, real quick on that. But yeah, definitely the, the the whole everything, and we've said it before. That everything that was going on in Gotham is pretty much been well. This the the Catwoman and stuff on the side aside. Um, like the main three, I guess you could say: next Batman, Nightwing, and um, uh, uh, Dark Detective have be- definitely been the most con- cohesive of the future's eight books. Right. Okay. All righty. Next up is King in Black. I know Roddy Cat is avoiding this like the plague. All right. I'll see y'all but, later. Um, <laughs> King in Black. Uh, this is the. Where did I put this? I have this. Oh, here we go. King in Black. Uh, Hulk, uh, Wiccan and Hulkling number one. It's written by Tinny Howard with art by Luciano Vecchio. Colors by Espen Grundetjem or Grundetjem. And letters by VCs Ariana Maher. Um, this is the story of how the uh, King and Black event interferes with the honeymoon of Hulkling and Wiccan, or King, whatever his full name is. Um, Doric the uh, Eighth. Yeah. What's that? Doric the Eighth. Hey, you remember it. Mm-hmm. I was going to call him Teddy Altman. But well, <laughs> <or> that. <laughs> there's that too, but uh, but yeah, it's it's their it's their honeymoon, and uh, that is the central uh, point of the story. And Tinny Howard actually puts in uh, one of the funnier tropes of this type of uh, semi-romantic story of, of, of a story of a romantic getaway gone awry where the two where the couple in the midst of all the craziness get together to have a little bit of quiet time before resuming the craziness. And when it happens, I'm like, wait a second, you got time to do this. A oh, fine, you know, this is part of that particular story <laughs> trope where you find yourself, let's say you're watching an action movie and, you you, you you and you just you know kind of thrown out of the uh, suspension of disbelief and you're just like wait what are you doing and fine we get back into the action just uh just uh you know a moment later but uh, that definitely happens in this issue but otherwise it is a nice little um, uh, interlude in, uh, in 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 their overall story they don't necessarily deal too much with the greater uh, king and black story. Uh, I feel Next, like they did something um, like that in that uh, in um, that that Avengers uh, that something that's kind of sort of similar happened in, in that Avengers event where they kind of was like, oh yeah, the stuff has happened, but we're gonna sneak away and do this thing, you know, and come back to it, come back. Right. Th- this uh, this essentially follows right on that last appearance. The last time we saw them was in Empire as they were, uh, 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 I guess, uh, heading back to. Uh, Sovereign, Cree, uh, and uh, Squirrel Space. Next up is the other King in Black tie-in that I read. It's King in Black, Gwenum versus Carnage, number three. It's written by Sean and McGuire, art by Flaviano, colored by Rico Renzi, and lettered by VCs Ariana Maher again. Um, I reiterate now that I definitely regret not getting the first two issues of this book for my personal collection, because it is written by Sean and McGuire with art by Flaviano. This is a, this has been the recent creative team 
on the Gwenum books, and I did not expect that this King and Black tie-in would essentially be a very direct sequel to the the last several Gwenum issues, other than Gwenum, and this is a mild spoiler, kind of changing her status at the end of the last Gwenum book in terms of what she, how she wanted to proceed as a hero. But getting back to this issue, this is this continues the story of the uh, Earth-65 Mary Jane becoming uh, infected or, or possessed. There's, there's two ways to look at it by both uh, sp- uh, spiders from the artificial symbiote that makes up uh, Gwen and Gwen's current suit and null it's the combination of the two and that's what leads um uh uh, uh mary jane of, of earth 65 uh down this perilous path and gwen is trying to save her and a lot of this is the expression of some of the resentment that uh mary jane has against gwen for you know remember for those of you not familiar and this is a mild spoiler gwen's identity is not secret in Earth 65. So her exploits are very much public knowledge. So uh, uh, the Mary Jane of that world has a very different uh, point of view of Gwen and the ghost spider slash Gwenum uh, 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 identity. And, you know, those being two sides of her friend. And that plays out in this issue. There is a jam session and also a tease for when I say jam session, bear in mind that uh, Mary Jane and Gwen played in the same rock band, the Mary Janes. And uh, as I said, there's also a tease at the end of this issue as to what Mary Jane's possible future will be. So um, it's an interesting way to tie into King and in Black. Um, I think I mentioned last week that some tie in issues really do. The characters a disservice by not necessarily advancing the characters while they're participating in the tie-in and the crossover. This is literally just an extension of where the Ghost Spider Gwenum stories are going, with only the slightest touch upon the Null and King and Black story. So uh, it, it really is um, a story that's done in service to the actual uh, title characters of the story and doesn't do all that much in contribution to the greater King and Black crossover. So, you know, more power to uh, Shona McGuire and Flaviano and the rest of their creative team for finding a way to continue the uh, the Gwen Earth the Earth sixty five Gwen story uh, despite having to tie into King and Black. Next up is, believe it or not, Power Pack number four. It's written by Ryan North, with art by Nico Leon, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and VC's Travis Lanham. So the cover gives it away. The main cover gives it away, actually, in that um, this is one, still a tie-in to the outlawed... uh, I guess storyline that's uh, still occurring in uh, Champions, so it's still focusing upon some of the younger characters in the Marvel universe. 
And without spoiling too much, are you up on Power Pack at all? Are you up to issue three? Uh, yes. Um, yeah, because I was. Yeah, you recall the last couple times we talked about uh, this. This book's come out. I've been. I've been talking about it. But yeah, I just didn't. Haven't read this one yet. I understand. Yeah. Uh, it was. I was. Um, you know, I just didn't want to necessarily spoil the last issue because the last issue contained the reveal of right. who the uh, antagonist, the big bad, is in this story, and uh, on the heels of that reveal. The Power Pack kids are kind of uh, left empty-handed. They're left searching for answers. And they decide to call in a favor from someone who they encountered many, many moons ago. (laughs) Yes. Many moons ago. During an event they had nothing to do with. Or they had directly nothing to do with. Right, and they call in this favor, and lo and behold, one Wolverine comes up, mm-hmm. and he jumps into this book, uh, you know, feet first. There is a great little interaction between uh, the mom and dad powers. I forget their names. Uh, yeah, me too. But there's a great little... Uh, interaction between the mother and father powers and Wolverine and uh, <laughs> the kids do their best to uh, play it sl- play it on the down low. Uh, but Wolverine agrees at the end to help them out with their plan and their uh, predicament that they found themselves in with the uh, antagonist uh, of the story. So all in all, it was a pretty fun issue uh, I, I was I, I had a surprisingly fun time reading it. I'm not all that familiar with uh, Power Pack in general. I probably only read a few issues here and there of their original run. Are they part of Marvel Unlimited? They should be. Yes, uh, I believe they are. Actually, uh, I can check real quick. Um, but I was going to I was going to say. So the weird thing about that whole Wolverine thing with going by what you said. Uh, mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, in the second issue is when they actually started trying to deal to try to find a way out of this predicament. And Wolverine was mentioned even then. Uh, as a And I think they even tried to go to the or something. Actually, I'm not sure. But I think they, they tried to go down the avenue, but uh, you know, didn't work out then. I feel like that's something like that that actually happened or at least very much mentioned. Right. Uh, if it, if if they didn't actually go down the road, but but then they kind of cut to where it's like, well, nothing's happened, and then it, what led them to the predicament they were in up until now. So it's kind of funny that it's come back to Wolverine and you know helping them out. Gotcha. I'll tell you that um, the Power Pack series, the original Power Pack series from 1984, is not complete on Marvel Unlimited. Interesting. It is not. Uh, they do not have the complete series on Marvel Unlimited. So, mm-hmm. well, but when uh, you do that Power Pack movie, that is definitely forthcoming. Not really. <laughs> so, uh, next up is uh, Runaways number thirty-four. It's written by Rainbow Roll with art by Andre Ginolet, colors by D. Cuniff, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. So this issue of Runaways, not a spoiler because it's on the cover, also has a Wolverine guest appearance. 
there's a few things going on in here. Um, apparently, uh, Wolverine and Sprite uh, uh, have made their way to um, the Runaways hideout, the hostel, and uh, they presume that one of the members of the Runaways, Molly, has put in a call to go to Krakoa, and uh that turns out to be a big misunderstanding and the two uh, sets of characters have to team up to try to investigate who actually put out this distress call to Krakoa. And that's where this issue goes. There's a tease of uh, potential romance in this book uh, that's uh, that heretofore has not existed, at least as far as I know. So um, it seems new, but at the end of the day, this is just a fun you know, if you're uh, if, if you're looking for something that's not necessarily all super heroics, Runaways is the book for you because it's really much more about the interactions of these characters, this makeshift family. You know, the family you choose, and it's uh, it's always just you know maybe not lighthearted fun. Lighthearted fun is is subjective, but it's definitely lighthearted fun to me. So. Uh, it's it's actually a pretty amusing read. Last for me is Star Wars: The High Republic number three. It's written by Kavon or Kavin Scott. Yeah, it's Kevin. Art- oh, Kevin. Kevin mm-hmm. Scott with art by Ario and Indito, inks by Mark Morales, colors by Anna Lisa Leone, and VCs Ariana Maher. Again, provides the lettering in this issue. Uh, I know that Roddy Cat is looking forward to reading this, so I will not spoil it. But I was saying while you were talking about it, but yeah, I'm gonna read it. Definitely read it uh, later in full. Right, there are a few reveals that happen in this issue as a result of the plan. Uh, you know, as a result of these particular Jedi investigating um, the the de- <laughs> the dead hut that they found um, in previous issues. And um, there is, of course, a dark side element in this, but it's not what you think it is, and it's not presented the way you think it might be. So that's where we find ourselves at the end of this issue. And I can safely say that uh, at least a couple of the revelations, or at least definitely one, but at least uh, there's probably a couple of the revelations that you mentioned that are known quantities. That were already known quantities uh, going before this because I think they kind of talked about like who's a big bad, you know, who's a one of the bad guys uh, in this era of, uh, of of Star Wars. So that was definitely something that's like, you know, and I think this even like from what I've skimmed through, kind of touched on some stuff that's like kind of happening elsewhere, but not really so much in you know, or that will be happening elsewhere, I guess, because this uh, one of the bad guys that comes up here is you know. Is a, a formidable, formidable set of foes that uh, are going to be seen a good bit uh, in the High Republic, from what I understand. All right. Well, it was new to me. So, uh, uh, being not as well versed in some of the uh, extended uh, Star Wars stuff, it came as, as, as news to me. I was like, oh, okay, this is different. <laughs> so, right. Uh, and like I was telling you before. Definitely. Yeah, like yeah. I was telling you before. No, exactly. The, the, That's exactly what I'm getting at. Right. You know, like, uh, you know, the, uh, depending on how well versed you are, 
mm-hmm. in some of the extended uh, DC uh, Star Wars stuff, DC stuff. That's why I always use with extended uh, the extended Star Wars stuff. It may come as a surprise. So, mm-hmm. but in any event, it's you know it's we all know that the High Republic stuff is dealing with. Uh, new territory, mm-hmm. uh, Jedi are much more disposable. <laughs> well, there's there's way there's more way of them. Of it, you know? yeah, kind of. There's there's... More of them, right. Right. There's it, more, it's... so they can be more disposable. Right. Like, this is the golden age of Jedi, so there's, they, they're, they're flowing free and plentiful, so they're, you know, so therefore they're pretty much everybody, everywhere, and everybody knows about them and, and whatnot. And so the, um, the things they come up against in here, or what they're dealing with here, are kind of Definitely new to the Star Wars, uh, into and especially with one the, the big guy that shows up here. Um, mm-hmm. so and and I think they're supposed to be introducing a couple more, uh, in other books that may or may not come show up in this book or other comics books, like the High Republic uh, Star Wars Adventures book that came out also this week that I didn't get a chance to read. So, yeah. Yeah, that's by that's that's published over at IDW for mm-hmm. anyone that's not aware. That start that's that uh, High Republic Adventures book, which is uh, I guess geared towards a slightly younger audience. Yes, an all age book. But still covers right. It still covers a lot of the same ground. Right, but as a matter of fact, I think uh, the last issue of this High Republic book kind of alludes to that weirdly enough because I think. Yeah, because Yoda shows up and says, like, oh, no, I got my students. I got a, a, a shipload of students or something like that. Like, he just happened to be in an area, and he was kind of going off on his other thing. So it kind of sort of alludes to what happens in what's going on in that book with uh, Yoda and the Padawans he's got uh, uh, tailoring him. So that's always interesting when, they, when that kind of stuff happens. But uh, it is Star Wars, so <laughs> connective tissue. Even even across the brands, I mean, even across companies. All right. Well, they, I was about to say they are um, trying. You know, they they do actually report to a central Star Wars mm-hmm. story department. If mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken, something that's something like that yeah, over Star at Lucasfilm. Mm-hmm. You're right. So that makes a lot of sense. All right. So uh, I guess we're coming in on clicks of the week. Yep. <laughs> And we already have two from our other co-hosts. Uh, one is from Dirt, uh, which is Berserker, number one. <laughs> uh, by the aforementioned uh, uh, Keanu Reeves. I don't know who that guy is, but you know, you may, have, may or may have heard that name from somewhere. I don't know. Little known actor. Little known person. Uh, and Matt Kent and and, uh, and crew. Uh, wait, I don't know if he actually said anything... No, he didn't. Okay, so except for the fact that it was pretty fun, uh, and from Tim, uh, Batman one hundred and six is his click of the week, and yeah, he didn't also say anything about it. So there you go. Um, you got yours? Still thinking, still considering a couple of candidates. How about you? Um, I have never did well again. Didn't necessarily read the whole whole lot this week, so it's either out of uh, Avengers: Medic Strike and or um, America Chavez at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm s- still kind of sort of leaning towards Mech Strike. Right, like America Chavez is one of mine. Runaways is one of mine. Um. 
Batman 106 was pretty good, and Berserker was pretty good. I don't necessarily want to uh, second any of those choices just yet. I'm still thinking, so. Um, yeah. Sometimes I, uh, I I think about that music if I'm trying to pressure myself into coming up with an idea or, or, or an answer. Does, does that work? Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes, because it reminds me that there's a time limit on these things. So mm-hmm. I've got to just kind of buckle down. You know what? I'm going to go with America Chavez made in the USA number one. And I'm going to go with Avengers Mech Strike number two. There it is. See? Yeah, because like I said, I, I, I do. I, I look forward to seeing more of that America Chavez book I, um, to see where it goes, to see where they're, where they're, where they're, where they're um, laying out for her. And as we know, I guess as we didn't say, um, uh, she is rumored, uh, actually not even so much rumored, but she is going to be in the next um, uh, Doctor Strange movie. So therefore, this is the other reason why there is a book out with her right now. Right. And they may actually incorporate this new origin into that possibly yeah the time frame would would kind of bear out wouldn't it huh so Mm -hmm. that makes some makes some sense it makes sense that they would actually you know it's not it's not a a a complete rewrite of her origin it's just a supplement because it's something we at at this point you know it's a retcon it's it's not even a retcon really because she just sort of if, if i'm not mistaken she just sort of comes out of you know, thin air and appears. But like I said, I didn't read her first appearance, so I don't remember. Right. Which, yeah. That's going to bear some investigation, which I'll end with, will definitely end up happening at some point. Uh, and yeah, you, I, I felt like you're kind of right about that. But again, without reading that, the story that she came out of, uh, not sure. Um, in fact, I once, no, no, because then, yeah, that's when I started using her right shirt, like shortly after that. So yeah. Uh, and yeah, you're right about the fact that this was kind of an addition to, uh, as opposed to a retcon, because you know a lot of her origin is still kind of what it was, and still being added to was still being added to as of that last uh, solo series. So there you go. All right, folks. Uh, clicks of the week have been uh, done, and we're going to move uh, swiftly over into the new section. But first, an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Funko, Fun at First Sight. It's your home for exclusive collectibles, such as their world-famous pop vinyl bobbleheads, apparel including t-shirts, hats, and socks, and brand merchandise, such as their custom DIY pop figures, art books, and skateboards. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. To place your first order with 10% off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Funko link and place your order. When you get to the checkout, put in the offer code SHOP10 for your 10% off discount. Funko through cspn.us. Do it today. And now we get into the news. And uh, as we do every week about this time, we're going to get into the cinematic news. uh, um, And actually starting 
uh, off with, well, one, a WandaVision story, but also I guess we can kind of briefly do a recap of um, uh, WandaVision episode eight, but luckily, you know, it's a, it is what it is, so we don't have to take too much time with it. Uh, but this week's this week's WandaVision has an essential after credit sp- scene, folks, and boy, does mm-hmm. it. boy, boy, does it! Um, Absolutely. So yeah, so if you uh, if you haven't watched it by now, I don't know what's wrong with you. Uh, but yeah, so there's yeah, another end uh, credit scene uh, after this one, and it's definitely something you want to want to stick around for uh, after the fact. Right. But although we still understand that there are some people who might be a little behind right. by the time this comes out, maybe they're putting off watching the last two episodes because they're not willing to see this series. end. we kind of understand that. So mm-hmm. in that spirit, I'm going to ring the spoiler bell and go on from there in three, two, one. I also know that there are people at this very moment of this recording uh, burning through all eight uh, episodes leading up to the next one. So the, there it the, is. The final one tonight, So, which will be in a couple of hours. About three or four hours. Yep. So, uh, recap. Uh, episode eight. Um, I'm not sure which one needs to use. I guess I used the Ringer one. Open, I always want to say I opened the Vulture and the CNET one. The Ringer has one also? Yeah. Uh, it looks like the the uh, yeah, it looks like Ringer and Vultures are kind of more closely tied because the CNET one is a little too um, yeah, it's a little all over the place. Yeah. So that being the say pace, I'll pull up the Ringer one. Well, we, uh, you can start off. I have I have the um, the Vulture one up though. Yeah, I also I have, have both of them up. You know, I'm trying to still trying to see which one's kind of kind of a little more concise. Um, so yeah, basically, uh, just to start us off, we start off with, um, I guess we go back to a little bit of uh, Agatha's uh, origin story, uh, because it starts off in what uh, appears to be the Salem Witch Trials and, um, kind of sort of akin to Agatha's comic book roots, we see Am- uh, uh, Agatha doing it at the stake. Uh, being um, about to be seemingly burned at the stake or whatever the case may be by fellow witches. Um, so, which means that, like, yes, she's very, very old. Although she looks pretty good for her, for her, however old she's supposed to be. Uh, but she's, while she's being bound and, and bound to the stake and uh, chanted at by uh, members of her coven, uh, the head coven, the head witch, uh, com- pretty much confers to about the, the type of magic that she's using, and she's kind of getting too big for her britches, kind of in a way. And we come to find out um, that not only that uh, Agatha's been practicing forbidden magic, but we also find out that the the, the head uh, witch is her mom. Um, uh, let's see. But yeah, um, let's see. Yeah, but as she's she's being tortured, uh, and the the witches start chanting at her, and beams of light come off of them. Agatha somehow uh, over uh, kind of overwhelms the entire coven with her own magic, which of which we kind of see the purplish hue of uh, spewing out from her uh, back at the uh, in some sort of feedback loop to the other witches, and ultimately her mom, who she ends up killing. 
Uh, we also f- can see her pick up the, the telltale brooch that we see have seen her in throughout the whole of um, um, uh, WandaVision. Before cutting to uh, let's see, centuries later, Agatha's quest for power continues as she tries to understand how Wanda was, you know, can be able to cast a strong enough spell to take over a whole town. Uh, and they kind of go through that little uh, thing. And we also find out that Wanda can't use her magic because there are a bunch of runes that keep her uh, from using her magic in, in the little creepy dungeon basement thing that uh, mm-hmm. Agatha is in. Uh, and also we find out that Agatha still is holding uh, the, the the boys hostage somewhere we don't know. But all of this leads up into a uh, clip show of sorts. Right. Well, it's a walk down memory, memory lane that Pretty kind much. of doubles as a therapy session. And exactly. that's really the crux of the story, which is kind of amusing because last week we had a couple of uh, therapy stories. <laughs> right. right. I thought about that. I thought about that because we were, we, we were just coming off the show and I was watching uh, this, uh, this episode of WandaVision uh, over breakfast the next day. And, uh, you know, it, it seemed like we had just talked about, you know, going through therapy uh, in comics and we have this extended ther- uh, pseudo therapy. It's, it's not real therapy, but it's pseudo therapy right. section here. And um, we're going down uh, not necessarily a this is your life, but definitely down uh, memory, memory lane when um, Wanda uh, essentially is answering her own question. You know, she asked Agatha, who are you? And in a sense, Agatha has flipped it around. And, you know, we're, we're looking to see who Wanda really is and how right. she's gotten to this point. And this is the most in-depth treatment of Wanda that we've gotten to date in the sense that we were told certain things, but we never saw them. And in this episode, we actually see several things that come to explain how we've gotten to this point in uh Wanda's character's history. Right. Some of which we've known, some of which uh, it answers questions from the series, um, you know, from, from earlier in the series, um, you know, uh, at large or at small, actually, because some of the questions are like, okay, well, we knew this, this came from somewhere, but all right. Um, that being said, uh, yeah, so we know Agatha is so this, this kind of works in a couple of different ways because we know this whole series kind of been dealing with uh uh emotional trauma uh in various ways and now she's kind of both getting help from it but also getting used because like I said, agatha's trying to find out how wanda uh was able to pull off pull this off uh pull off the the you know the taking over the town with her magic and uh agatha wants to know how she did that so it doesn't necessarily say at this point that she's the big bad which we kind of already knew it also you know you don't necessarily go through this way if you're trying to find well i guess you would i mean this is a framing convention that happens uh that has happened in other media or in this kind of media but in other ways uh but it also feels like she's also still doing the mentoring that we know her from from the comic books and also being a, a therapist of sorts but also trying to find out like i said trying to find out how, you know, how Wanda could do whatever. So we're going to keep on going and say that um, uh, we take a walk down memory lane and the earliest member we get to see is a uh, young Wanda and Pietro and the family who sadly not Magneto uh, back in uh, Sokovia uh, trying to have a movie night 
Uh, and of course, not well. It's time to have a show night, and of course, those shows uh, consist of um, bootleg videos of uh, well, actually, not even bootleg, but I guess. Um, um, well, I guess what well, I guess uh, Oleg uh, Oleg Maximoff is is trying to do. He's just trying to you know drum up. Uh, I don't know if this is like a side hustle or right. if this is his main gig, but he sells DVDs, whether or not they're bootleg, we don't know. Right. But DVDs of uh, classic American television, mm-hmm. and that is where the concept of the fifties and sixties. Uh, sitcoms that were the uh, framing devices for the first several episodes of the show kind of comes from. That's where the inspiration for it comes from. And we get to see where uh, Wanda has, uh, you know, a definitely uh, encyclopedic memory. I don't know about eidetic, but definitely encyclopedic memory of some of these shows because she can cite episode uh, episode number and season right. for certain things for for a favorite episode that she is uh, talking about, which is I guess directly referenced in the very first WandaVision episode. Mm-hmm. You know, an episode of the Dick Van Dyke Show. Mm-hmm. So we definitely see the exact uh, inspiration uh, inspirations, the, the exact shows that the uh that these episodes uh were inspired by but previous episodes were inspired by right um and actually i'm gonna do this real quick there we go while we're going so yeah you're right and um so everybody who had the theories that's like all oh, this is, she was in, influenced as a youth by by american uh sitcoms sure that one you know, point to you i guess but that seemed to be I was about to say, that was pretty simple exactly right you know but so i know a lot we, of people and, right yeah, yeah had that wasn't things. hard to figure out. Exactly, but, and then we get, um, and then we get uh, uh, the first tragedy that befalls the 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 Maximoff twins, right? And and kind of sets the stage for you know it sets Wanda down this particular path that she's been on, in that um, a piece of military ordinance uh, decides to. Um, blow up the home that they uh, are living in, the apartment building, I presume, that they're right. living in. So, and, yeah, so, so yeah, so, out, yeah, during the course of the thing, we see uh, the, the mom uh, looks outside the window and notices fighting outside, and uh, and then they start doing what they're doing to try to, and they, you know, turn the TV to kind of, you know, um, drown that out. Distract the kids themselves, right. So, right, so the, that's been the case. And then the start missile that we have heard about and seen in, uh, Age of Ultron happened to uh, make its appearance. Uh, in well, the I was about to say, there's, you know, it, it almost logically follows that there's two, right? Right, one that explodes and right. actually knocks out the building, and another one that doesn't, right? And there are theories as to why this particular Stark uh, Industries weapon does not explode, and right, um, and I guess it's a little bit of a retcon, kinda. Because I believe they said it was a dud, but we come to find out in here. Well, they, exactly, exactly. That's I was just about to get to that. Where the original telling of the story was that it was a dud, and uh, apparently, uh, what is at least speculated at in this episode is that Wanda had more to do with it than mm-hmm. just being than than that particular uh, piece of ordinance just being a dud. Right. And so, yeah, so basically throughout this whole thing, you get shades of, well, did she already have powers before she ended up uh, with Strucker and them? And it seems to be pointing to yes. Right. 
so that means uh, the case. So yeah, so we go through that. Uh, we go through that memory, and and then Agatha and 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 wanted to talk about that kind of briefly before going to the next um, uh, next uh, thing. But I think not before they talk about transmutation. Um. So yeah, uh, they talk about ma- uh, magic on autopilot is what uh, what this thing says, and, and Agatha definitely does say it. And, and Agatha's like, "Well, what's your secret, sister?" Because she's you know trying to get in her head. So then you know they open up another door and they go to um. Oh wait, no, I'm sorry. That was before that episode. That was before that whole thing uh, that that happens. Uh, and and the words probability hex uh, gets used, which gave right. me a, a, a you know a, a quite a, a quite a, a grin because like yes, tell it, do it, do it, do it. I was about to say like anybody who who who, who read comics involving the Scarlet Witch growing up knew because this, this is all pre chaos magic. Chaos mm-hmm. magic is a much more recent thing. Right, she was always a hex. You know, she was always casting hexes. That was part of her right. uh, mutant power. Hex bones. And they, yep. Right. And they also uh, uh, made one aspect of it, the probability hex, and using that to change, not unlike, you know, uh, uh, the black the, the black cat's power, mm-hmm. you know, just the, uh, using um, her, you know, wanted to use her power to affect the way, uh, to, to influence the way probabilities uh, played out so that they would bend to her will. So um, that was pretty, pretty uh, entertaining that they brought that in. And there's been speculation that, you know, is it that she was a baby witch or that she was a mutant? Right. Or maybe a mix of both, which is what the comic books always were. Mm-hmm. Right, because her origin, origin story still continues to change. <laughs> but, um... But it definitely did in uh, um, throughout the whole time, which was slightly annoying uh, to say the right. least. Uh, but anyway, we go through. So now we. In, going oh, I was about to say, hold that, hold that thought. Sure, hold that thought. I'm pretty sure I saw a meme, and obviously it's very Harry Potter related, because I don't know if you if you remember from the first movie where Hagrid is like, "You're a witch, Harry." Mm-hmm. So I think. Somebody transposed uh, Agatha's head, or just used Agatha as "You're a witch." Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> want? <laughs> I might have. I don't remember. There was a, the the one that's been going around is is a Vision and Scarlet Witch, a uh, Vision and Wanda pre. I mean, not pre, but uh, Age of Ultron sitting there talking, or at least during during that one part that we're about to get to uh, right. in a little bit, talking, and they have like different things uh, talking about. Um, you know, the, from the what is love, but whatever, whatever that part. I got you. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, but but uh, using different other things. So, and that would have been a funny, gotta, gotta, the most I've seen lately. So, to get to that point, um, we see a door that with a Hydra logo on it, and Agatha's like, "Yep, it doesn't explain anything." But the only way to, to, to the only way to go forward, um, was, or as she says, the the only way forward is to go back. So they walk through the door, and we come to find out um, this is pre-Age of Ultron Wanda where she um, ends up and I think we probably saw shades of this in, well we definitely still saw shades of this in Age of Ultron uh, where she's in the room and they're telling her to, you know, the she's basically touching the the uh, the, the uh, Mind Stone. Well, they got Loki scepter there and they want her to touch it but she doesn't necessarily have to because um, um, during the course of this uh, 
uh, of this part. They say like nobody's ever survived this, but then the the, the thing comes alive, the 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 scepter comes alive, and the mind stone comes out. And oh, so wait, is it the mind stone or the soul stone? Soul stone. No, it's the mind stone. Mind stone. Okay, yeah. Remember the soul stone. The soul stone is on Vormir. So right, um, right. The mind stone. Yeah, the mind stone. You know, this is just the, the latest in a series of experiments that uh, Hydra's struck uh, and and Strucker's um, scientists are 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 performing. And what's funny is that uh, you wonder how they put. Or, or how they figure out which candidates are going to go into this particular experiment. Mm. Do they pick? Do they pick people that maybe already have some abilities? Right. They don't necessarily or go to that. Or they just random volunteers. Right. right. I suspect. I kind of halfway suspect it's regular volunteers, and they just happen to volunteer. I mean, I'm sure that's the easiest way for them to say it. Right. You know, that's the easiest way for them to explain it. Like, they just had a list of people who were willing to volunteer for this dangerous experiment. But, uh, you know, I definitely saw some speculation that, you know, maybe they were selected from that group of volunteers because they had exhibited something, uh, something else, some other, you know, genetic anomaly, maybe. Perhaps. Uh, and, and and we're looking to see if, because remember, that was the whole point. Right. Uh Hydra's experiments. So, uh, but in any event, um, it turns out that the the Mind Stone emerged on its own mm-hmm. to to um, to approach Wanda, and Wanda apparently sees, um, uh, you know, as Wanda reaches out to touch it, uh, the Mind Stone bursts out of its outer blue shell. Here I'm reading the recap just because yeah. it's it's helpful. It's, and uh, it shrouded basically... in the stone's emanating orange light, Wanda sees... Dun, 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 herself. The, herself, the Scarlet Witch, emerged before her. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Wanda collapses to the ground, but apparently... As as Roddy Cat mentioned, she's one of the only ones that survives contact with the mind with the Mind Stone. <clears throat> yep. So yes, as she gets, you know, she gets basked in its uh, warm, radiant glow, and then properly sees herself and passes out. And we also f- come to find out that looks like this part had been partially edited uh, somehow because for the scientists see her uh, st- taking a step forward, but then just collapsing. So they don't see obviously they don't obviously see what happens to what she sees, uh, but they don't see, you know, the full extent of what happens. So, right, it's all in her mind. Right, but um, uh, we also follow up on this scene with Wanda being uh, put back into her cell, but watching. Um, now I didn't get this. Mm-hmm. This part, uh, I'm 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 following the ringers. Um, uh. Recap. I didn't get that she was projecting an episode of the Brady Bunch onto a TV screen. I thought she was just watching it. I thought so too. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't. I'm not. I'm not getting that. Also, it says right. well. According to the Vulture, says it's on a ceiling mounted TV in the chamber. Right. That's what I thought. I thought they were just using that to like help distract or whatever. Right. But they happened to be. You know, at least the way I interpreted the scene, it seemed like Hydra was giving Wanda something to do to pass the time, mm-hmm. and the episode of the Brady Bunch that they happened to be showing was the Kitty Carry Hall <laughs> episode. Right. Part of me was like, well, maybe they were doing this, and they they they, they put in some subliminal messages in there to kind of keep her docile, uh, but. That none of that really bears out. 
So it could very well be, and it was like, well, we come to find out that she, you know, is partial to American television, so they just put that in there for some sort of, we don't necessarily know that part. Right. Um, so, but coming from that, we see another door uh, open up, and Wanda goes through it, and apparently we come to into, uh, I guess, the Civil War era. Yeah. Yeah. Civil War era, and she's in Avengers Compound, uh, and where actually, yeah, and this is so. This is after Age of Ultron, and and, and Pietro's dead, and she's alone in the comp- compound with Vision and, and whatever the case may be. So she's watching Malcolm in the Middle, um, and she and Vision comes in and uh, wafts in like he did, like we have seen them do in uh, um, uh, Civil War and, and whatever else. And sits on the bed, and they're talking. And she's watching Malcolm into, and she basically starts talking about, oh yeah, uh, she on the outside uh, looking at this whole thing says that uh, Pietro's dead, and I was in a new country, and I was all alone. And then this goes into uh, the, her past self, where she calls out Vision. He comes through. They he basically sits down, talks, and she kind of hashes out some things. Um. You know, talking about she's tired and, uh, you know, uh, not necessarily saying how she's dealing with the fact that she's there, you know, but and but she just kind of let some things out that she had been thinking about because obviously she was still early on in her grief for Pietro. Mm-hmm. Um, so so a lot of that kind of bears out and even, I guess, bears into what we see coming up with uh, what she ends up doing with vision, which we'll get to in a second because, or two. Uh, and this is where we get the whole meme thing that I was just talking about in a second ago. Cause basically vision is like, um, what is grief? If not love persevering. Right. And I saw a meme where all the screenwriters and all the novelists who were watching this, like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And even the vulture, even the vulture, um, uh, article says something like that, which it was a good ass line too. I was like, Oh right. yes. I was like, all right, whoever wrote that props to, to that, to that person or people's, you know, however heck that of a out. line, heck of a line. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so then it cuts to a vision, you know, in, in that same, same passing, actually laughing at something. Uh, and Wanda was like, no, it was, yeah, it was actually funny. Um, and then it breaks back to the present self where Agatha says, parents dead, brother dead, vision dead. What happened when he wasn't there to pick you back from the darkness, Wanda? Um, and Wanda says she wanted him back, which again, like I said, some of that in kind of first two. And they walk through another door, which brings us forward in time to sword headquarters. Um, right. And we see news footage of uh, the blip happening and, or the blip just ending. So which means that this is after Endgame. Right. Um, or very shortly after Endgame or some, some sort of because they're still talking about the blip. Um, or the snapping, as I like to call it, because I hate yeah. the blip is it's terrible. Um, anyway, uh, so she goes to the guy at the first that says she wants to see Vizzy's uh, body. He deserves the funeral, at least she says. Or I deserve it, as she said, talks to the guy at the front desk who's just there, you know, being a receptionist. Uh, the guy gets a call from someone and tells her where to go, which we find out to be Tyler Hayward, the acting um, director of S.W.O.R.D. Of course, we've you know, seen him throughout WandaVision. We still don't know if you know he's going to have more to do with things than what we know him to have already been. Uh, she goes, she 
gets uh, directed to his office. They talk for a second. And then for some strange reason, he says, well, you want to see it. So he, he shows her uh, Vision's disassembled body of which right. we have seen similarly in the comic books uh, back in um, West Coast Adventures. Which, uh, more of that, at the end of this uh, little, little recap. Right. Well, I, I was going to say, there's definitely uh, a callback to a specific set of stories in the West Coast Adventures mm-hmm. once we get to this point in the, in the episode. Mm-hmm. Which I both loved and hated, because I, 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 I remember reading that storyline, but we'll get to that in a second, but, and I hated that storyline because of what happens. Anyway. Um, of course. I was about to say, but this is not, let's, let, let's be clear. This is not how some things were poorly adapted. Like I, 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 I stress this, right. This is one of the reasons why, and this is just an aside. One of the reasons why I like Ragnarok, but can't love it because of the way they do uh, <laughs> scourge. So, so, so foul. Right. And they, how they do the last stand of scourge. I'm like, Oh, I can't, I can't. <laughs> You know. But at least in this, they definitely did this particular uh, homage or adaptation of this particular storyline a good bit of justice. I right. Think. It's definitely not one for one, obviously, but it is closer than, than we've seen a few different things in the right, MCU. Right, because there was a reason why they, 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 they did what they did to Vision that differs distinctly from what happens here. Yep. Uh, and again, what we will find out in a second. So we'll uh, briskly go into that. And uh, so, yeah, so Tyler shows her the body and, and they're on in his off, office and they're, you know, showing people breaking them down and this and the other. And she kind of uh, gets a little upset, let's, let's say, and then floats on down there to see his, uh, right for the cell, obviously, uh, to, to get a closer look at his body. And she... Uh, you know, she gets drawn on by by by, uh, by some guards, and um, you know, he was like, "Nope, nope, hold on, let her, let us, you know, let her through." Uh, and he, while all the while, he was like, "Well, he's not yours." So, and that's when it calls her to, to break the glass and go down in the first place, and uh, uh, which also brings a call back to uh, what M? I guess this was in game, huh? Was it in game or um, no? It was in game where she does that part where it was like, um. What do you feel? You know, division, division, and her was like in that room, and like, what do you feel? And she's like, I only feel you, except for this time she tries to do the same thing, and she's like, I don't, I can't feel. No, you. that was Infinity War. Is it Infinity War? Okay, I couldn't remember which one. Right, it was. It's at the end of Infinity War when they're going back and forth mm-hmm. about um, uh, about having to destroy the Mind Stone. Mm-hmm. Right. It's what? before. It's. It's when, you know, Vision is like, uh, it's time, right. you know, because Thanos is coming and the other Avengers are not able to hold him off. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm talking about not that part. No, when they were, they were, there was a quiet moment between them two and they were in, I'm assuming her room or his room. Oh, no. So I think it was actually in game because they were, because he was dressed as, you know, in his quote unquote new human version. And she was like, and Vision was like, what do you feel when you, when you touch it? Because he, because he was talking about the, the Mind Stone himself. Yeah, I was about to say, but they don't show up in Endgame until uh, Wanda doesn't show up in Endgame until the end. So I think it's Infinity War. Are you? Wait, you sure? Because didn't I thought they were at the beginning? Oh wait, no, no, you're right. Infinity War because it was at the beginning of Infinity War before everything that's pops it. off. Yes, yes, you're that's, right. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was at the beginning of Infinity War where they mm-hmm. where they where they have that talk. Uh, right. And anyway, regardless, that part still happens, or a similar part to that happens. Right. That's she, what, that's the callback. Right. Exactly. That's what you're calling back. To, that's what they're calling back to when right. she says, "I can't feel you." Right. 
So there's that, and then she just gets misty. And I, I admit that this was kind of, kind of, kind of, uh, tor- t- you know, kind of, kind of had me a little bit emotional. I was like, oh, they called back to that, and you know, mm-hmm. and, and all that happened. So she walks back out of the room and marches back uh, to her car, which is the weird. This is the kind of the weird part about this because I was like, because we're we're led to believe that she kind of went in there, stormed the place, and got it thanks to Hayward's uh, probably machinations on that video, right. Um, but she just goes out to her car and just like, oh, I'm going to get ready to leave. And then she sees this uh, letter uh, on her car seat, which looks like it's a deed. To, or, or, well, we, what we kind of find out is a deed to a property, which weirdly enough, why is it in New Jersey? But still, yeah, even though we right. know it's in like, the comics they did that anyway. Right. It's like deed and plans. And, yes. um, you know, it, it seems like uh, this is part of a journey that she's on. Mm hmm. And uh, my guess is that she had that, you know, that document, um, you know, maybe it was rescued from um, uh, Avengers Compound. We don't know. Yeah. So you know, at this point, Avengers Compound has been, you know, destroyed. Exactly. Essentially. So which, which would make that weird to be to be the case. But also, so there are some theories going around that it might have been planted in that car. Like we don't get it. We don't get any uh, reasoning to, to know that she didn't know it was already in there. Whether she knew it was in there or not, she just looks at it and kind of like, uh, you know, opens it up. So some people have said it was like, well, it might have been planted there in the car as opposed to not being with her already. We don't know. I mean, that's just odd, but you know, I understand. I understand and, why people would say that. Like, where would it come from at this right. point? And some people you are know? even speculating that Hayward Woods one could have been planted there. I, I don't. I kind of doubt that. Some people were also saying it could have been Agatha. It could have been in Vision's will. It could have been in Vision's will, exactly. You know, so. apparently, apparently the Vision had a will. Right, which was also weird. And it might have itself. been part of the will reading. You never know. Exactly. And yeah, and that is a, a thing that has actually been mentioned in WandaVision, that he had a will, you know, that was in his will not to be. In fact, I think they might have mentioned it here. I don't remember. Regardless, uh, it was mentioned at some they point. They did. Monica mentions it. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Oh, no. Randall Park mentions it. Jimmy Wu mentions it. Right, that he just that he didn't want to be put back together or whatever the case may be. So he yeah. wants to be made into a weapon or something. Right. right. So, but um, but in any event, um, as you mentioned, you know, Wanda leaves in her what I presume is a red rental car because it's not an Audi. Right. Um, there's a lot of people that poke fun at the fact that she's driving a Buick, and obviously product placement is a thing. But um, it was weird you know, to see her driving. Audi. Right. It was, was just, it was just weird to see her driving. Just period. Right, I you know I I definitely heard a few people joke about the fact that she was driving a Buick. I'm like I I picked up on it too. It didn't knock me out of my suspension of disbelief. Right, but I definitely picked up on. It. I was like, oh, she's driving a rental. Mm-hmm. So, um, so she drives from the compound, the the sword compound, you know, unknown where that is. Right, but she drives all the way to Westview, New Jersey. And uh, as she's driving through Westview, New Jersey, we see some familiar faces, mm-hmm. um, the, uh, the neighbors and co-workers, Herb, Phil, Mrs. Hart, um, shout dude. out to um, uh, the 70s show. Mm-hmm. And they're living their regular lives in, you know, kind of like a, a quiet, sleepy Jersey town. She comes up to an empty plot of land that has some uh, development just starting on it. Like literally, maybe the foundation's been put down. That's about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I, you know, I, I don't remember it being bare, but I, I you know, it seemed like like it the was, start of something had, right. had had begun. It basically they had the outline of it, and, it was, and the rest of it was just like weeds, and, uh, so they hadn't necessarily like cemented the floor or anything like that. It was just like the outline of what the house is to be and just the land itself. Right. 
And that overgrowth probably occurred in the time between uh, Infinity War and Endgame, yep. which is when you know it's presumed that the Vision started these plans because what we find out is that um, the Vision wrote a note onto the deed and the plan saying, uh, for when we grow old. For some I people, believe presumably, but yes. Right. And... Um, uh, uh, but, you know, but, but in order for this particular idea to work, and that vision had put this into pl- into into motion mm-hmm. prior to getting destroyed by Thanos. It would have been pre Infinity War when he put this plan into motion with the deed, you know, with the with the land and whatnot. So it makes sense that the the property would be untouched in the five years since. Right. Uh. So we. So. So yeah. So she gets there. She she goes into what would be the the inside of the house or the you know once it would be built, um, and then she just kind of breaks down and explodes in uh in her magic ways, uh, right? There in... she basically lets out like a a, a, a kind of like a primal scream mm-hmm. and just has her uh, magic slash infinity stone powers mm-hmm. emanate from from within her and going outward. It was, you know, the funny part about it, it reminded me of, uh, somewhat in the beginning of Tron when Jeff Bridges, uh, gets, uh, digitized. Cause you know how the the beam hits him and then just like frozen there for a second. And then it just gets uh, digitized. It slightly kind of reminded me of that. Cause when, cause when she goes through her motion, she just kind of stops there and you, you hear the yell and then you just see the magic emanating out of her and building the house around her and ultimately vision. It gets rebuilt. Right. Um, and uh, what seemingly, you know, after all this is said and done, um, you know, it goes into black and white and uh, we see vision in what we saw him in, in the beginning, in the first episode. And then we see Wanda change into what we see her in the first episode, which presumably leads into, you know, going back to the first episode of WandaVision. Um, or I guess before the 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 uh, that and then we see like I said we see him in his fifties garbs and he says uh Wanda welcome home should we stay in tonight and they sit on the couch and kiss uh and I believe I can't know if he does the thing with the remote but uh but yeah there you go and then we cut back to present Wanda who um sees she's on the sound stage and everything's in color and there's the camera presumably this is the same studio that they I filmed the first couple of episodes with. Cause then we know there was right. a studio audience. It was that, um, but we see the sound of two hands clapping and or hear hear the sounds of two hands clapping. Uh, cause we don't have that kind of technology yet <laughs> outside of the movies. Um, it's Agatha signaling on one of the robes and she says, bravo, and then disappears on her purple smoke. Uh, she hears the boys and runs outside uh, into Westview, where we see Agatha floating in uh, th- in this black and purple getup, uh, and she has the boys on magic leashes. Uh, who says? And she says, uh, "I know who you are. Uh, you have no idea how dangerous you are. You're supposed to be a myth, a being." And get this, because this is where it all comes together, and and hand claps all around for this part, because because you can kind of see it building up. Um, she was like, uh, so you're supposed to be in me of being, uh, being capable of spontaneous creation, and here you are, using it to make breakfast for dinner. Uh, the, ga- the camera zooms in on Agatha's face as she drops the bomb. Uh, with a whole little life you've made, this is chaos magic, Wanda. So we mm-hmm. get that. We don't, I don't think we get the, the whole Nexus being thing, but I think some of that is also implied here. 
Um, but anyway, uh, and it makes you pause for emphasis. Then the Scarlet Witch. Da, da, da. And then it cuts to the credits. And I was like, when it happens, like, yep, come on, give it to me, give it to me. Boom, they gave it to me, Scarlet Witch. So, and then it cuts to the credits. And then uh, in the midst of those credits, we get the in-credit scenes that uh, we're we're talking about in the news section, which was um, uh, Hayward at Sword Operating Base outside of Westview, gazing at at the, the, um, the, the, the hex in the distance. Uh, the, um, one of the other crew was like, uh, is, is it ready to launch? And, uh, Hayward says it's about time, walks into another room. And then we get to see that missile that from a few episodes back right. that was imbued with, um, or the drone, excuse me, not missile, but the drone that was, in, that went into Westview that was imbued with some of, uh, Wanda's power. I believe it's the same one she... She uh, brought out and was like, "Here's your toy." Right, this is the one. Right, this is the one that she scrapped. And this is a little bit of weird tech slash magic slash. Right. How did they know how to do what just happened? But exactly what we're leading up to is um, uh, something that definitely caught me off guard. I don't know about you. I but, loved it, but it, it kind right, of did. But, but I kind of didn't. Part. Yeah, because I didn't expect them to actually do this part. Right. It caught me off guard because I did not see this coming in this particular uh, storyline. What they do is they have reassembled mm-hmm. Vision over the course of this ep- of the, uh, over the course of this series. They've reassembled him. Mm-hmm. And what they do is they they basically and it's and this is why I uh, I definitely bumped on this. I definitely lost my suspension of disbelief. <laughs> they essentially pointed the 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 drone uh, still glowing with the Scarlet Witch's energy, the right. transforming energy. Which that's what right? I have a, a problem with, but go on. What's that? No, I was going to no, go finish what you're saying. That it's still radiating. Right, exactly. That's my point. Yeah. That's my point. It's still radiating. So why is, you know, how are they able to harness this energy that is seems to be ambient, seems to be, you know, radiating visibly from it when we don't get that from um, Wanda or uh, anybody else? Monica clothes. Monica, yeah. Well, no, no, no actually, no, we kind of do get that. No, but we don't get the energy True. radiating off. Right. That's my point. We right. get, we get the, the, we, what we, what we get in that, um, discovery is that the clothes are changed, mm-hmm. right? But the point is we don't see the, 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 the magical energy radiating from the clothes. So we happen to see it here. Right. And I'm like, long- okay. Well, so which brings up the questions: One, how long has this thing been? Well, because because yeah, because everything we've felt right. like we've I'm known not even worried was... about how long it's been. It's just like how did how did they figure out that they could set this thing up to do what they end up doing, which is po- they literally pointed at. I have an answer for that. Inanimate vision, mm-hmm. and then what do they do? Just kind of hope that the magic transfers. Did well, they press a button? No, because I think I want to say they had like wires to it. Just kind of it was basically like a siphon. So so here's my so here's my theory about this, and it, I feel like it could bear bear through, or it's going to come out somewhere because obviously product cataract is something to do with that. Um, it is pretty much the whole emphasis of this. So they've been studying the hex all this time. So surely they have some sort of idea about you know, whether they could do something with it or not. Or at the very least, they know the properties to a certain extent. They probably don't know everything, but they probably got to a point to where it's like, all right, fine, we can use it to do what they ended up doing here. Some kind of way. That's the only thing, way that makes sense. 
Right. I mean, at the end of the um, day, it's still energy, right? right? And in in the the simplest sense, what Roddy Cat mentioned is probably how they pull it off. They literally put two wires of conductive material between the Vision's inert body and they plug them up like a battery. What's that? They plug the basically plug them up like a jumpstart battery. Right, and they and, and and they connect the two wires, and they just hope for the best. Right, and what ends up happening is that the magic flows into the vision, and in a sense reanimates him, but in a different way. Right, and what we get is that <laughs> that. What we get is the white vision. Yes. From the comic books. And I was like, holy shit, they did it. Oh my God, I wasn't expecting them to do that. But here we go. Um, But, and also, you, I guess, because my thinking was like, okay, they had vision to do this in the first place because that's why they could kind of sell where he was because they were tracking the vibranium and all that kind of good mess, you know. But I guess from a point of reflection, seeing the disassembled vision kind of was the first time I was like, wait, are they actually going to do what I think they're going to do? You know? But I'm but even then I was like, nah, they're not doing that. They just did this to kind of recall that. But they were they're not gonna actually do the, you know, blank vision. <laughs> and no, they did. They totally did. They basically powered him up from that drone that still somehow had energy energy, which there was a part that I was that I had a problem with because like anytime we've seen like even when Monica got thrown out of the hex, um she had energy on her at the time, but we can safely assume that it dissipated at some point because it wasn't still on her at any of the times that we have seen her after that. But we do also know she got changed from it. So that's, you know, or she, well, when she got again, she got permanently changed from it, but still she did not have a permanent glow like this, uh, like this, um, like this uh, drone did for whatever length of time, which is why I brought up the length of time, you know, between Wanda giving it back to them, she expanding the hex and them having time and the the time and the place to, you know, to do whatever they did, did, did to uh, siphon the energy off of it into this new vision. Which I guess, which is kind of the same as what she ends up doing, like the previous to this, when she actually makes the vision, because when, when she remakes the vision, she, you can see this, you know, getting rebuilt from the top up with Mind Stone energy. Uh, which apparently she could tap into clearly um, and get rebuilt and reformed. They just kind of, they already had the body to just imbued it with some energy. So technically her way has his soul, his, their way just kind of has his body. So I'm curious as to whether we're going to see in this last episode, a vision on vision fight, which I would imagine we probably will. We will see. Uh, and I believe that's pretty much it for that because yeah, we see, oh yeah, we could, yeah, like I said, we see blank vision, uh, kind of come alive from from the energy and looks at themselves, and I don't know if this, any of that's supposed to be like a callback to Age of Ultron in the way Vision Prime <laughs> uh, comes to life. But because I know he, well, he kind of just breaks out when he gets imbued with uh, by by Thor or kickstarted by Thor, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if he did the same thing. I would have to go back and see, but it, it really doesn't matter. That's that roll credits, and and that was the end of the episode uh, proper. Right. So surprisingly, we actually focus so much on Wanda and Agatha and Tommy and Billy that there are still the other characters in the show Mm -hmm. that are all kind of doing their thing. And we never touch upon them at all. Right. Other than the post credit scene. So um, 
the 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 vision simulacrum that Wanda creates is still flying around. Darcy's still in the funnel cake truck. Mm-hmm. Um, Monica, Monica is, is well. Monica technically is right there at the basement. Right, she's she's being held captive by a fake Pietro. Well, we don't know if she's being held captive. She just knows that he rolled up on her. Right. Well, we're we're assuming right now that that that's what happened. Mm-hmm. You know that um that she's uh that she's been captured. You know, because that's what I think is implied, but you never know. We'll see in the episode. It's set to drop in several hours from now. So, yeah, in three hours, as of the three actual hours of this thing. So, we should actually move along to the rest of the news because uh, it's definitely getting late. Um, so let me flip back over to the news, and I guess you can take this next one. So, I actually took the first one anyway. All righty, uh. In a report, Marvel Secret Invasion character descriptions have emerged. This is the show based upon the Marvel uh, comic story that's um, going to feature new faces joining uh, some some already set faces from the MCU. Um, those being Agent Nick Fury, played by Samuel L. Jackson, and Talos, uh, played by Ben Mendelsohn. That new report surfaced showing... Uh, that two series regulars will be added to the upcoming Marvel Studios Disney Plus series, notably an older male antagonist for the show and a middle-aged woman who will share many scenes with Nick Fury, according to the Illuminati. Okay. The uh, named older male is supposed to be 50 to 60 years old. The woman character is supposed to be 40 to 50. Right. So we have no idea who it could be Abigail Brand. We don't know. And actually, we don't know how old Abigail Brand is, but that would be something. But we definitely don't know who the heck this this male protagonist and i don't know enough about uh, secret invasion to even hazard a guess um it's hard to say because they're doing it in a different way right because we couldn't be norman osborne they're doing it in such a different way that it's hard to know at this point right another what the (laughs) was that me no, that was me. I don't know what. Oh, okay. I was about to say because I had a new. I I had a new wind. I had a new. Um, I was opening a new tab. I was like, "Was that me? Really?" No, I went to the next one. Normally, uh-huh. it's supposed to mute uh, sound on the uh, on sites, but I guess because I'm using HuffPo. Anyway, uh, Chadwick Boseman's widow tearfully accepts actor's uh, posthumous Golden Globe. So the Golden Globes just happened. We don't really care about that too much but so much the fact that chat would watched it here and there it wasn't bad because it was definitely a challenge for them to pull off their um dual coast um broadcast right yeah and it was still kind of sort of oscar so white in certain cases from what i've read of Of who won in certain the hollywood foreign press is not exactly the most diverse place in the world Mm -hmm. that's an understatement Right. But uh, on Sunday night, uh, Chadwick Boseman won for not Black Panther because obviously it wasn't the year for that. But his last role in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which I still yet to see, but I hear good things about. Uh, according to this article, uh, his wife uh, and you can see, I guess, yeah, you can see a clip of the video from the uh, of, of the acceptance in this article, which I'm sure a lot of you folks have already seen and probably teared up in some way, shape or form. Um, 
But yes, his wife, Simone Ledward uh, Bozeman, typically accepted the award on his behalf, saying that uh, he would thank God, he would thank his parents, he would thank his ancestors for their guidance and their sacrifices. Uh, she later added that he, uh, he would say something beautiful, something inspiring, something that would amplify the little voice inside all of us that tells us you can, yeah, that uh, you can, uh, that tells you you keep going, that calls you back when you're meant to, do, to do, be doing calls you back to what you're meant to be doing at this uh moment so it was you know definitely touching from what i, what I heard i haven't watched it myself uh, or that her acceptance but you know i could imagine having some feels about it um next up Alrighty, next up there is a report that the the marvel studios blade movie may introduce the day walker's daughter so um The cast, a casting call for the upcoming Blade reboot starring Mahershala Ali may tease the arrival of the Daywalker's daughter, Fallon Gray. Murphy's Multiverse reported that a call went out for a teenage girl named Ruby, described as thoughtful, serious, and burdened by growing up in a complex world. Um, nothing else is known about the plot of Marvel's take on the vampire-killing hero. Fans have long wondered if a younger version of Blade, like his daughter, could appear in the film and provide the MCU with yet another teen legacy hero. So um, the source material on this uh, is a little weird because the idea uh, for a daughter for Blade has been apparently popular with uh, comic fans for a number of years, but Fallon Gray's never actually appeared on the page. In 2015, it was announced that Tim Seeley would write a new Blade book with art by Logan uh, Fairber. The book would have seen the introduction of Fallon, Blade's daughter, who would take over his gig. Art was even released teasing the character, but Seeley ultimately quit the project feeling a black woman writer would be better suited to the series. Right. Uh, we talked about this. We talked about this back in 2015 when this was supposed to happen in, in that particular part. And yeah, if you're watching the video, you can see a, um, you can kind of see part of the art that was used uh, and dispersed with what looks to be a Marshall Ali in, I'm assuming, Luke Cage, but I'm not sure if that's the case or not. It might not be the case, or maybe just me projecting. Um, but yeah, there's a, a there was a teaser image that was uh, used back then, which this uh, is definitely part of for that Blade comic book, Blade's Daughter comic book series, which never materialized. And probably maybe well, maybe it could now because since they're doing this rebate, but didn't back then for reasons. Um, and uh, the rest of this article talking about uh, kind of goes into what Tim C. Lee said about uh, what Agent uh, Seven had just mentioned about a, a black woman uh, um, being more right to 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 uh, to do the story. Uh, and I think he goes on to say, like, in the in the wake of Ta-Nehisi Coates' Black Panther launching so well, maybe Blade is the book they find new talent on. So, but again, like I said, we haven't, uh, this, that, that hasn't materialized. Maybe that could happen because of this reboot. We'll see. Next up, though, speaking of uh, the Blade reboot, Wesley Snipes supports Marvel Blades, Marvel's Blades reboot and is open to a cameo because, of course, he would be. Um, more than 20 years after Wesley Snipes donned Blade's uh, trademark sunglasses and leather trench coat Marvel, we already know about a reboot with Mahershala Ali as is told. Um, Wesley Snipes basically says, I am 1000% supportive of it. I think it's great. Go for it, my man. Which I feel like this is an old story, but apparently just came out a few, uh, a few uh, on the 24th. Because I could have sworn this was something that came out like right after that was announced. 
Um, but anyway, and but apparently the, this is when Wesley was, oh, they were talking to Wesley Snipes uh, on Entertainment Tonight because of Coming to America, which uh, apparently is also just coming out this today. Uh, or some people are watching as of re- as we speak on this recording. But uh, Snipes also said he would be open to a cameo in a reboot for the sake of his fans, quote unquote. I say quote unquote, but okay. You never know. Under the right circumstances, I'm open to play with everybody. Uh, he continued. I know that people associate with me with role. Like Wesley, we know you know that people know. <laughs> Don't act like that. Don't act like that. But anyway, it would be cool to some people to speculate on that. Like, yeah, if he did do it, he could be like the whistler of this one. Who knows? But um, yeah, um, that would kind of make more sense than not. But we'll see if anything comes out of that. Next up. You all right over there? Next up, Captain Marvel 2 is seeking a Boyega Jordan type for a mystery role. So uh, casting call, uh, a casting call for Captain Marvel 2 uh, apparently has gone out and may tease another ultimate being added to the MCU. GWW uncovered a casting description for the upcoming sequel to Captain Marvel seeking a male actor aged 20 to 30 for a part. The casting call says it's seeking a John Boyega or Michael B. Jordan type, but no other details are given. As the site points out, this would line up with recent theories that Dr. Adam Brashear, known as the Blue Marvel, will be making his MCU debut soon. The one uh, adjustment would be to the character's age. That's really the only major adjustment, unless they use some makeup to age him up because they might actually go into the character's origin and bring him and make him a little older in present day we'll see but that's really the only difference if they find a character uh, an actor to portray the character that is who is a little on the older side then that might be able to you know given the fact that Brashear's powers i always found it weird that they aged him up so much mm-hmm. uh, given uh, his power set you know, having him age not quite in real time, but closer to it than maybe I was comfortable with when I was reading it. Right. So um, it's definitely interesting to see where they take the movie version. Right. Um, all I'm going to say is one: if you are don't know who the Blue Bar Marvel is, you should definitely check out Kevin, Kevin Grievo's. Uh, if you have access to Marvel Unlimited or some some way to do it, uh, miniseries on the Blue Marvel. Uh, but also Ultimates, Ultimates, Ultimates. That's all. That's what I'm saying. Because everything is pretty much lining up. We got Monica. We got, well, if we get Bashir, um, Black Panthers, I mean, they, they'll have to do something with the Black Panther part about that. But, you know, uh, America Chavez is coming through. I'm just saying, there could be an Ultimates team shaping up at some point. That's all I'm saying. And I know I'm not the only person who, who said that, but regardless, I would like to see it. Next up, though, um, Spider Man spinoff Silk eyes chilling adventures of sabrina star for the lead so sony pictures has found a showrunner for the silk series on amazon and the country uh, company has its eyes on the lead actor uh the illuminati is uh, reporting that sony and amazon's planned spider-man cinema focusing on silk has brought in sang kim on board as showrunner Kim has produced and written for arthur carbon the walking dead and 24 Lo- uh, love another day uh also currently uh, executive producing something that we'll be talking about in a minute or two. Um, But also um, Chris Miller and uh, Phil Lord will be producing this this spinoff. 
So apparently, reportedly, role uh, Sony is staying true to the source material and seeking a Korean American woman between the ages of nineteen and twenty-nine to play young Cindy Moon. Uh, heading from the Queens, the character is described as fond of the eighties and nineties and, and learns to vent her frustrations by fighting crime, perhaps reckless to a point or to a, to a reckless degree. What's wrong? Nothing. Okay. Um, she will be reportedly struggling with her mixed heritage and dual identities. Uh, while a lead hasn't been found, the outlet claims that Lord and Miller hasn't met with uh, Adeline Rudolph, who is the chilling adventures of Sabrina Star. Or oh, they have met, excuse me, they have met with her. Not so we'll see what comes about with that. Next up, next up, Game of Thrones star Indira Varma joined Disney Plus's upcoming Obi Wan Kenobi series. No character details have been revealed regarding Varma's debut in the Star Wars universe. However, Star Wars fans speculated <laughs> that secrecy could mean she's playing Sith assassin and longtime Obi Wan foe Asajj Ventress, which yes, would please. be a little difficult because apparently in extended uh, universe uh, lore, she's dead by this point. Although there's always mm-hmm. the the uh, uh, flashback right. uh, scenes. Others believe the role will be Satine Kreese, the Mandalorian Duchess that Kenobi had feelings for, but also died in the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's tough to say uh, if it's going to be any of these two characters or a third new character. But it's good that uh, she is joining this cast. Right. I haven't. I did not see her in Game of Thrones. I knew her from Luther as uh, Luther's wife, and I think I may have seen her in other things. But uh, she's dope. So I. I I would hope that if she's going to do it, she plays Ventress and my ship still goes like this is like her and um, Obi-Wan meeting in some earlier time. And they might have had things with each other. I would like that. Make it happen. Next up, uh, Superman film reboot reportedly built around a, a black man of steel. So after it was revealed that Tony Coates and JJ Abrams are teaming up on a Superman movie reboot for Warner Brothers, uh, a new report suggests that this Man of Steel project will be will start a black leading male. Uh, will audience be introduced to a black Superman? That's the intent, uh, according to this article and in uh, uh, a report from the Hollywood Reporter, uh, who tweeted this out. Um, well, yeah, I guess we'll see. And then I guess that was the, the blur from Shadow and Act about about. Uh, Something Coach said, saying, uh, I look forward to meaningfully adding to the legacy of America's most iconic mythic hero. So there you go. Next up. Okay, uh, this is spoilers for Superman and Lois. Mm -hmm. Uh, Apparently, there's a Captain Luthor that hates Superman. As it turns out, Captain Luthor has a pretty good reason to dislike Superman in Heritage, the episode. Uh, the latest episode, Luthor offers a few more hints about his past, revealing his connections to both General Sam Lane and the Man of Steel himself. A flashback also offered a glimpse of what his version of Superman did to his world. Apparently, this is an alternate universe. I'm not watching Superman and Lois, so I'm not 100% sure how this is uh, connected. But apparently, um, Luthor can't find uh, Kryptonite in Moldovia. That's a bunch of gibberish. Uh, the point is, they can't find you know what they're looking for, and Luthor has a beef with Superman from his world. Right. So yeah, I guess it's, it, they're kind of taking a page out of the comic books because I think this is the Supergirl, the the Arrowverse Supergirl version of Superman, and maybe they crossed over into another super super uh, another universe like they did in the comics uh, relatively recently. I guess I'm not watching it either, so I don't know. Um. 
And also, they have two kids and not one. So that's the part is weird from what I saw. Anyway, I well, one of these days I'll probably check it out. But to to move right along, um, spoilers for Batwoman. Actually, uh, Batwoman introduces Batman Shadow of the Bat character to the Arrowverse. So according to this, welcome to the Arrowverse, uh, Amygdala. Amygdala, uh, do not resuscitate. Which I guess is the latest episode of Batwoman introduced um, Aaron Heisel Heisinger Helsinger. I almost said Heising, Heisenberg. Um, when mysterious Hamilton dynamics scientist Dr. Rogers charged him with kidnapping Mary Hamilton and her father Jacob Kane. Uh, and uh, yada yada yada, I guess. Um, whoever this character is just gets introduced in this. I have no nothing of, the, of that character, so okay. Next up, good lord. So, in oh. two weeks, in just over two weeks. We have the release of Zack Snyder's Justice League uh, cut with a runtime that's going to clock in over twice as long as the 2017's theatrical version. Snyder detailed how he specifically structured the lengthy project as six chapters. The, the, uh, there are spoilers ahead for all of the chapter titles of Zack Snyder's Justice League. Part one, Don't Count On It, Batman. Part two, The Age of Heroes. Part three, Beloved Mother, Beloved Son. Part four, Change Machine. Part five, All the King's Horses. And part six, Something Darker. And part seven, Who Gives a Rat's Ass? <laughs> um, yeah, so they're organized in individual chapters, but it's been produced as a single cohesive film. Right. Cause it's going to run four hours and two minutes. Jesus. Right. Because, yeah, yeah, like you just said, they, they went from cutting it up into four to putting it all back together, being like dumb as shit. And I'm mad about that part because I was so gleefully happy that folks had to <laughs> sit through four separate hours or, you know, four, you know, four separated hours as opposed to one long piece of whatever this is going to be. Anyway, next up, that's still coming. Uh, the boys, uh, from the boys' uh, corner of the universe, Carl Urban shares first shot of Billy Butcher from season three. Um, Carl Urban shared a photo of himself sporting Billy Butcher's leather coat while filming the boys' upcoming third season. Uh, hello, hello, day one shooting season three. Uh, so glad to be back. So good to be back. Uh, that's what Carl Urban wrote on his Instagram, according by said photo. Uh, massive thanks to Sony and, and and Amazon and yada yada yada. So you can see the picture of that he uh, put on his Instagram right on the video version of this thing, of this episode. Next, all right. Next up, so apparently Amazon has ordered a live action Lady J solo series. Lady J is reportedly set to headline her own solo GI Joe live action series at Amazon. According to Deadline, the Lady J will be a standalone spinoff with ties to the larger GI Joe universe. Carnival Rose Eric Olison has been tapped as showrunner and executive producer alongside Lorenzo Dino Di Bonaventura. Adrienne Palicki portrayed Lady J in 2013's G.I. Joe Retaliation. There is currently no word on if Palicki would return to reprise the role in the Amazon series or if a new actor will be cast. She needs to come back as a Mockingbird. I agree on both. Well, I'd be, definitely be, agree on that. Uh, but if they end up doing her, getting her for this, I would also be open to that in, in, in lieu of. <laughs> I mean, granted, that G.I. Joe movie, none of those G.I. Joe movies were great. Let's let's be totally honest. Um, and they shouldn't have killed her in John Wick, but huh? I was about to say I, I initially remembered her playing Cover Girl, but I guess that was another character. I think that was someone else. Uh, yes, another another young lady who I think ends up getting killed in the she movie. But definitely did. Oh my gosh! 
the things we remember about movies we don't like. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and I think, and yeah, and Lady J was in the second uh, movie, which was better, but still not great. So yeah, get her back for this if you're gonna do it. I mean, I mean, again, that's not gonna make it any better or worse. But you know what? She, if, if we can't get her back as Mockingbird, then you know, get her in something. And we can't get her back as in John Wick then, you know, we got to get where we can. Uh, next up, though, speaking of uh, something that I alluded to earlier, Jupiter's Legacy, the Mark Millar and Frank Quietly superhero comic adaptation is coming to Netflix, uh, and the first teaser trailer has been dropped. Uh, doesn't have any real footage, but the video does confirm that the new series will premiere Friday, May 7th. Um, the aforementioned Sang, uh, Sang Kim replace Stephen Knight as the showrunner on the series uh, that is all about the next generation of uh, superheroes attempting to live up to their parents. Fans were uncertain how this uh, Watchmen-esque story would land on the screen. However, now that the first trailer out, uh, some of those qualms have been laid to rest. I have not seen it, um, but and I don't really care that much about it. But there you go. It's out there if you want to check that out. Apparently, Do- Josh Dumel is a, a part of this. So... Okay. Next. Netflix is developing an original anime series based on the Terminator with famed animation studio production IG on board. The new animated series will, quote, approach Terminator in a way that breaks conventions, subverts expectations, and has real guts, Uh according to showrunner and executive producer Matson Tomlin. The project will be the Terminator franchise's first, surprisingly first, foray into animation, following six live-action films and one television series, Fox's Terminator, The Sarah Connor Chronicles. Which actually wasn't bad. Uh, what's that? Oh, which actually wasn't bad. Sarah Connor Chron- Chronicles? I mean, I heard good things about it. I didn't really watch it, but I'm surprised that this is their first foray into animation. Uh, actually, I am too. I feel like there has been actually something, but I can't think of anything. Um, uh, regardless, don't say, don't be mistaken, don't mistake that for the comics because obviously the comics have no, been no. long running. No, so. no, no, I'm, I'm very much thinking there was a, uh, if not anime, there was definitely something. Uh, but I could also be mistaking that for a different project altogether because it's anime. There's, ter- there's always a Terminator like, uh, plot <laughs> going on. So, so you know what? Pro, uh, Studio IG does some great stuff, so I, I have faith in that part about it. But when they said it breaks conventions and subverts expectation or has real guts, that doesn't give me anything good to go on. So we'll we'll see. But it's the Ghost in the Shell people. So and Haikyuu, uh, which a lot of people seem to like. So yeah, hopefully it's good. Godzilla versus Kong will introduce a cyborg Titan. Titan. I don't know why I said that like Teen Titan to the MonsterVerse. Um, apparently it, there will be a wealth of Titans beyond, uh, the two that we know of. And one of those Titans will look like a human made invention. So Mechagodzilla, uh, Collider and other, so, uh, other outfit outlets were invited to the set of, uh, Godzilla versus Kong where the gigantic skull of King Ghidorah, take me to your leader, uh, has uh, several wires and me- mechanized elements inside of his body structure. The press was also treated to a scene where Madison Russell, uh, Millie Bobby Brown, alongside Josh, Julian Dennison, and Bernie, Brian Tyree Henry, investigate the mysterious Apex organization connected to Ghidorah. Uh, March 31st is when to come out, folks. Uh, HBO Max and movie theaters. I actually kind of can't wait for this. And as I told Agent 7 before the show, looking forward to, to, to catching up with the, the two previous movies. 
that are possibly connected to this. Next. Yeah, Roddy Cat's a little bit behind, but it won't take too long to catch up. Yeah. Clone Wars. Um, Stop it. Godzilla vs. Kong's runtime has reportedly surfaced online. So the runtime has reportedly uh, uh, come out to be one hour and 53 minutes. This means the total runtime clocks at 113. So that is a fairly substantial amount of time for this movie. Mm -hmm. So listen, as long as it's more uh, monsters fighting and less people looking at their navels gazing. So uh, (laughs) that's okay. Indeed. Uh, this article, or at least the side of the note on this article, reminds me that that Pacific Rim, the black uh, anime, is also out on streaming on Netflix. Uh, I have not checked it out yet, but I plan to. Speaking of Pacific Rim, that has actually come up in this uh, in this uh, show pre- <laughs> earlier. So there you go. If you're interested in that, go check that out. Next up, uh, Space Man 2 first look reveals Bugs' Bunny's updated appearance. So, yeah, apparently they're still doing that Space Jam thing. There's an image that was from Entertainment. Uh, it looks like the cover of Entertainment. Um, or, uh, yeah, the cover of an upcoming uh, issue of EW features LeBron James front and center, flanked by Toon Squad teammates. However, while these versions are rendered in 2D, excuse me, much like the original film, a still shot of Bugs Bunny from a new legacy confirms the sequel will use CGI to bring the characters to life. Oh, were we shocked by this? happening i don't understand uh so yeah there you go and you can see the shot in question uh if you watch the video which you should sometimes next next up uh the lord of the rings cast is reuniting for special alamo draft house event the stars of the movie including elijah wood vico mortensen and ian mckellen are coming together to help raise money to save cinemas the famous movie theater chain alamo draft house announced a new event where the cast of the Lord of the Rings will reunite to help save the local movie industry. So that uh, cast reunion event will feature uh, several stars of the series, as aforementioned, as I mentioned earlier, and director Peter Jackson. The series will be moderated by none other than Lord of the Rings superfan Stephen Colbert. There will be three different events, one for each of the movies, beginning with The Fellowship of the Ring on March 12th. Colbert will interview The Hobbits' Sean Astin, Billy Boyd, Dominic Monaghan, and Elijah Wood, following a screening of the film in its new 4K package. Another reason to make people buy another set of Blu-rays. Then starting on March 18th, Colbert will interview Kate Blanchett, Orlando Bloom, Viggo Mortensen, and Liv Tyler after a screening of The Two Towers. The series finishes on March 25th with a conversation between Colbert and director Peter Jackson, along with Ian McKellen and Andy Serkis. The interviews are pre-recorded, so you won't get to see the talent in person, but it's still pretty cool. Tickets are available for $13.50 each. I will just mention that, believe it or not, um, Liv Tyler absolutely misses her co-stars. This came out during the... um, Oh, yeah. The reunion they did mm-hmm. during uh, the pandemic, uh, the Zoom reunion that I believe Josh Gad set up. So uh, it's it, it's kind of cool to see them all get together. And I know that she is happy to uh, get together with these uh, actors. Indeed. And once we're out of a predicament, I would love to go to Alamo Draft House because I hear good things about it. I've been I've been to it a couple of times. It's obviously very cool to be able to sit back in one of those lounge chairs and lounge chairs and have food uh, delivered to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, uh, look forward to if and or when that ever happens. Next up, though, uh, going back to what we alluded to earlier, Kalinda Vasquez. Vasquez. Wait. Yes. Wait. Yes. 
Clinton Vasquez. Um, my apologies because I, I got a thing going on. Set by uh, Paramount to script original Star Trek movie. Um, Kalinda Vasquez has been set set by Paramount Pictures to write a Star Trek movie. Uh, through J.J. Abrams' Bad Robert producing. Excuse me. Uh, Vasquez has written on Star Trek Discovery and Insiders said. Wait, hold on. Is this actually the same person? Or am I? I'm. I might be totally. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it is. Okay, that's what I thought. Because I was like, wait, because uh, yeah. Anyway, so yes, she's written on Social Discovery, and this is the same writer of America Chavez, Made in America, which Made in USA, which you talked about earlier. Uh, right. She also co-executive produce, producer on Fear the Walking Dead, and some others, uh, and TV credits, as we said earlier, Marvel's Runaways, Once Upon a Time, Nikita, Human Target, which is a DC property, also, and Prison Break. Um, she recently adapted Barrier based on Brian K. Vaughn's graphic novel for legendary TV television. So yeah, she's she's done some things. Uh, and now she's uh, writing a Star Trek movie. Um, so, in addition to what she's writing for Marvel and another thing she's also doing, so, so good for her. Next up. We're going to transition into the comic book news. Indeed. Go for it. All righty. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. All right. Into our comic book news. Oh, this is some funny stuff. A potential Lego set leak for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings has given fans their first look at the costume Simu Liu will wear in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Though part of it is obscured, the outside box for the Shang-Chi Lego set states it's uh, for a battle at the ancient village. Simu Liu's Shang-Chi is shown to the far right of the packaging wearing a red sleeveless top with black lines crisscrossing at the top. The center of the box features is a large red and white dragon that is shooting blue flames out of its mouth. Below, Shang-Chi is battling Wen, Wen Wu, which may be another name for the Mandarin. Other figures displayed with Shang-Chi and Wen Wu include Xiaoling, Death Dealer, and a small creature named Morris, of all things. But yeah, dragons. Of course. No one in the Marvel Universe has ever had any experience with dragons. Um, but... I'm I joking, but um, yes, we definitely get to see a little bit of the shot of what seems to be presumably his uh, what he's going to wear in the movie, which kind of sort of looks like what he's currently well, or has been recently wearing, but not really. It's, it's not I mean, really. it is off, but I mean, obviously they they're kind of going a way with it, you know. Right, but that's, it's definitely that's the, got it's definitely got uh, 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 the feel of a jumpsuit, which right. is definitely where they were going with the Avengers run mm-hmm. when. Uh, when Shang Chi was a member of the Avengers during, um, uh, what call it during uh, the Avengers World storyline that Hickman did, mm-hmm. so they definitely are inspired, I think, by that run, giving him a more superhero feel. Mm-hmm. It's definitely had the same colors to it and all that, and you know, probably there's a well, there's a good fairly reason if is indeed what they end up doing for the movie, they are chances are it's going to get back into the comic books because they tend to do that kind of stuff. Um, next up, though. Uh, and shout out to Tim, who wrote that article. Um, new Star Wars vintage collection figures arriving in fall 2021. So Lando's getting a figure, a vintage figure. So which means I guess they're bringing back that figure because we already had one. Uh, let's see. IG-88 looks like is getting one. Uh, and looks like that might be all they're talking about here. They're 3.75 fig- um, figures, uh, 12, 13 bucks a piece. 
uh, and they will be out in the fall. Uh, and it looks like they'll have uh, accessories with it, of course. So, yeah, next up. All right, Tokyo Pop has a diverse array of projects in the works for later this year, including three new Yaoi uh, Boys Love manga, a Resident Evil graphic novel, and a new Disney manga, Stitch and the Samurai. During the New York Comic Con Metaverse panel last October, Tokyo Pop announced it would produce a graphic novel adaptation of the CG animation series Resident Evil Infinite Darkness. Uh, no information is yet available on the creative teams or the release date. This year marks the 25th anniversary of the game. More immediately, uh, Volume 1 of Disney manga Stitch and the Samurai will be out on April 7th with an MSRP of 10.99. In this manga, which was produced in Japan, Stitch's spaceship malfunctions and he crash lands not in Hawaii, but in Sengoku-era Japan, the time of samurai and warlords. Stitch is found by a samurai who was disarmed by... Oh, my God. All right. The second volume is available for pre-order now and will be out in June. <laughs> so, yes. And then, of course, like like, uh, like I said, there's some other stuff, including Resident Evil and some Yaoi stuff that's also coming from Tokyo Pop. So, manga fans, rejoice. Books are still coming out. Next up, though, going back to Godzilla vs. Uh, King Kong, uh, prequel graphic novels score Art Adams covers. Um, Art Adams will provide the covers for the graphic novel prequels to Godzilla uh, vs. King Kong. Excuse me, versus Kong. No king in there. Legendary Comics unveiled the covers to Kingdom Kong and, good God, these are actual places, Godzilla Dom- Dominion on its social media channels uh, with artwork by Art Adams. Okay, who doesn't know where the hell Art, Art Adams is? Come on, folks. Um, Adams will also illustrate the cover for the Monsterverse Titan Dology, which collects Skull Island, The, the Birth of Kong, uh, from 2017 and Godzilla Aftershock 2019 into one volume. Uh, Kingdom Kong and... Oh, those are the names of the uh, graphic novels. Okay. Uh, right, that's the title. Yeah, Kingdom Kong and Godzilla Dominion feature their respective protagonists up close and personal, while the Titanthology has both Titans roaring in fury. And if... Uh, once again, say it with me, folks. If you are watching the video, you can see the images, or at least the images for one of them, which is the Kong book, um, on the article right there. You, well, you can kind of see the Godzilla one also on there. So there you go. Next. I would also note that you can look at work in progress images that Art Adams posts on his social media. You can check mm. his Twitter, but more specifically his Instagram, and mm-hmm. you will actually see once uh, once these images came out this past week, Art Adams posted work in project progress images. So you can see blue pencil to lead pencil to inks. So it's pretty uh, pretty cool to see what he posts of these images. Next up, Overwatch Tracer comics being collected in London Calling graphic novel. So this is uh, the Overwatch comic series London Calling, and it's uh, getting a graphic novel collection that brings all of Tracer's recent stories to bookshelves. Mm-hmm. Um, this is based on Blizzard's first-person team shooter that made waves back during launch in 2016. Um, you know, you know what my reaction is. Who? <laughs> so um, the graphic novel version um, has a group of established creators behind it. Uh, Marco Tamaki's worked on it, as well as art by Babs Tar. Um, looking to see. If there is a price point, there is not. 
Also worth noting that, um, yeah, while this is being collected in a uh, graphic novel, these you can get these digitally for free at Comixology specifically. The graphic novel version is coming to bookstores on September eighteenth. Okay, but yeah, you can get definitely individual single issues of uh, of this tra- uh, Overwatch Tracer uh, um, uh, comic book free. Which a lot of the, if I'm not mistaken, a lot of the Overwatch comics have been kind of for free on uh, on Comicsology. So you can go check that out if you're a fan of Overwatch. Next up, Batman and Fortnite crossover comic book series of reveals unknown secrets about the game. Good gosh, make this monster stop! Uh, DC and Epic Games are teaming up on a Batman Fortnite crossover in April, uh, which I guess that means now the uh, Marvel Universe and DC Universe are somehow connected through Fortnite. I, that is me saying that. Anyway, uh, Batman, Batman Fortnite Zero Point is a six-issue limited series debuting April 20th simultaneously in comic book stores and digital platforms in, in the native languages of six territories, Germany, uh, Italy, Mexico, Brazil, Spain, and Czech Republic. The series will ship twice monthly in May and June and then conclude in July. Uh, and then it goes into, uh, I guess, the story point or the plot point of it, and I don't care. Next... Alrighty, uh, in unsurprising news, although somewhat disappointing because they do have to bring some of these characters up to date. Mm-hmm. Um, well. Static's new origin, well, because they, you know, they were introduced in the '90s and they kind of went fallow. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. It's not like they were. It's not like they were using them actively, and that's why you know, unfortunately, they're giving them the soft reboot mm-hmm. um, or even the hard reboot. You know, come to think of, it. I don't know how what they're going to do with the previous. Uh, books that have come out, but right. Static's new origin ties into Black Lives Matter protests. A new Big Bang for much younger Bang babies. Virgil Hawkins, the electricity slinging teen known to Dakota City as the superhero Static, is back at DC Comics from a creator lineup that includes both original folks who brought Milestone Comics to the world and some of today's hottest comics talents. This week's Milestone Returns number zero introduces audiences to the characters of Marvel Milestone's New lineup, Static, Icon, and Rocket, and Hardware, all available digitally or through a DC Universe Infinite subscription. Uh, But it's been a while since the early 90s. So, as I said, the Big Bang, the gang battle police crackdown that caused an explosion of superpowers among Dakota City's youth and turned Virgil into Static, has been reimagined for the modern age. Now, the, uh, how, the current, how the creative team reworks the scenario is extremely timely and compelling. Okay. And All right, are you up on these um, digital one shots, digital uh, um, uh, exclusives? That is, um, I mean, I plan to because I don't think they they hadn't. I'm I'm not completely up because I don't think they've released any of them, have they? Oh yeah, they did. Wait, there may not be enough content, but it was great for you missed last. Oh no, yeah, I'm not sure they're they're they've come out yet. Okay, uh, I yeah, thought it was this week when they said this week. I figured I I don't know what the date of this uh, article. Oh, March first, yeah. March so 1st. it would be this week. Yeah. No, because I don't remember seeing it. And also, either we didn't get it, or you know, or they didn't put them out that were you know. Where well, we have access to them, I understand. Or yeah, so I'll I will look, or maybe they just weren't put in the thing. Likely, uh, if they did come out, we don't know. Uh, so we'll you know we'll it'll be whatever. Milestones return number zero. Is what we're talking about, uh, and looks like uh, that might be the thing that's out. So yeah, I don't know. I would check it out and let you know, regardless. Uh, 
because I actually, like I said before, I want to go kind of go back and get some of the older milestone books because I'm not really fully hip to to that stuff. I know the characters are just hadn't really don't remember reading too much of the stuff because it was back in the nineties when when right. I wasn't really reading a whole lot. But it's also I hate to say this, it also jives with uh, it, it's it's in conjunction with the rest of the TC lineup. Right. They're all sort of being soft rebooted anyway, so it makes sense that they would do it with the milestone stuff too. Right. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah. And what better time you're going to do it when they're just basically doing a line wide, you know, line wide reboots? Makes total sense. Right. Uh, hopefully, it just didn't get lost in the shuffle. But uh, like some would say, the old milestone might have. But we'll see. Uh, next up, though. While I look up what I was looking up, Peach Momoko offers uh, a new take on Nightcrawler and Black Widow uh, in the second installment of Demon Days Saga. So Demon Days number one came out the, this week, by the way. Um, we didn't get a chance to, neither one of us got a chance to check it out. Uh, but Marvel Comics announces Demon Days Mariko number one, which will arrive in comic stores on June 2nd. Uh, Peach Momoko follows up on her Demon Days X-Men book uh, with another prestige series comic book influenced by Japanese folklore. This time, she offers a new take on Nightcrawler and Black Widow in Demon Days Mariko. Uh, Momoko had the following to say about the new book. Uh, the second issue starts with the new main character, uh, with the new main character, Mariko Yoshida, whose name you should probably know. Uh, and is a story that I originally pitched, pitched to editor-in-chief C.B. Sapolsky a couple of years ago, said Momoko. The connection between the first issue and the rest of the series is that they're all based in um, Mike Kurosaki. Uh, the first issue is a folklore, folk tale about Mark, uh, Mount Kurosaki. And the rest of the series is about the characters having a deep relationship with the mountain. After the first issue, I'll be telling a traditional Japanese folklore with a modern twist. So if you're interested in that, check that out when that comes out on June 2nd. Next. All right, Kid Cable takes on his adult self in the series finale. Oh, too bad. I know. Kid Cable takes on his adult self one more time for all the marbles in series finale Cable number 12. Um, that's going to be in June. It's going to come out in June from writer Jared Duggan and artist Phil Noto. Um, the series finale will pit young Cable, who has been part of the X-Men since he killed his older self, against his adult counterpart in a two-part story encompassing Cable number 11 and 12. Okay. Which probably was the only thing that was left to happen, because we have seen old Cable show up in this, and we were kind of wondering what in the world they were doing. But one, uh, X of Swords got in the way. <laughs> and two, I'm not surprised that this this book is in even though we enjoyed it. We did definitely like this book. Um, but yeah, I guess it had to go some way. Um, back up for a second to that milestone returns. Apparently, milestone returns number zero came out at least digitally. I assume, yeah, digitally last week. Oh, last week, right? And I don't think we got a copy of it. So I don't know. I will look out for that. I will look for that um, myself. But I'm seeing it on Comicsology for four ninety nine. Anyway, next up, uh, some, I guess, sad news, but not surprising news. Comic-Con is all going all digital again this year. Uh, I was about to say, did you skip the, did you skip the neck, the penultimate story? Did I? Mm, zingle, 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 did you zingle, take zingle. it out? Do I have to refresh this? Um, oh, no. Uh, no, no, no. I forgot to, uh, that was me. Um, that was me. It's still in there. 
So Marvel may have just revealed this new Phoenix on a on a Heroes Reborn variant cover. Uh, and it was pretty much what we alluded to last week. I mean, not last week, uh, earlier in the show when we said, when we were talking about uh, Avengers. So, in fact, it is the same graphic as we saw in the back of that Avengers book. Yeah. Uh, actually, well, the, the the article, let me rephrase that, at the top has that same graphic image, but the, it has another image of a person in a um, straitjacket in a room that would have a person in a straitjacket in it. Uh, it looks like the variant cover for Daredevil 29. And if you are watching the uh, stream, you can see that cover and who it is. Um, so it may not be the person we were talking about uh, last week. I mean, uh, or earlier. That might end up uh, be the person. Hmm. Interesting. And in fact, it's someone else that has actually showed up in the thing, but we don't think we saw them this issue. So, because I think that's, I, I dare say, I'm not going to say. You, if you know who it is, you know who it is. <laughs> it's hard to tell, to be honest, if no, you're just going off the image. Well, it, it, when I, I knew who it was when I saw it, but it also says in an article who it is. But, I'm like, okay, that's who that is. Um, That's who it is, is, is. Oh, is, I see. Is. Yeah, I was about to. Say, I wasn't reading the article. I was just looking at the uh, the image. Right. I couldn't tell just from the image. So right. Well, yeah, because the the image has another image, not the one at the top. But if that's what the one you were looking right. at, I don't know. Sure. No, I'm looking at the image in the straight jacket. I'm like, I didn't, I couldn't exactly. But now I look closely at it. Now I can. Right. Right. So anyway, you can take this one. Oh, I actually yeah. this is yours anyway. So yeah. No, I was about to say, I just it's the last one. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I got another one after this, but it's going to be quick. <laughs> I was like, where? I don't see. No, this one I didn't. Con attendees will have to wait until at least 2022 to return to the San Diego Convention Center. Comic Con International San Diego is canceling its 2021 convention in light of the pandemic. As with last year's SDCC, the physical convention will be replaced with a virtual Comic Con at home event, which will run July 23rd through 25. This news comes just weeks after Comic Con International also canceled WonderCon for 2021. That convention, which is normally held in Anaheim, California, will also be replaced by a virtual WonderCon at home event on March 26th through 27th. So uh, this basically leaves us with the later season cons. I know that C2E2 was scheduled for the winter. I believe it's like the week before Christmas and New York Comic Con is still holding to that October date. So we will see how that evolves over time. Right. And I know now, obviously, just like last year, uh, uh, other cons that are around the same time are kind of considering whether they're going to do, not do things or not. But I know one particular con, Blurred Con, f- as far as we know right now, is still going on. And you, the dates are still out because I know some people are also going to that. And I doubt if I'm going to be one of those people. But um, yeah, there's so there's people. We're probably going to hear start hearing more announcements of cons, whether still going or either going virtual or not at all in the coming weeks and months. Right. Unfortunately, the percentage of people vaccinated is obviously not high enough at this point for a June or July con. So mm-hmm. anything thereafter, we'll see how that plays out. Mm-hmm. So the, the actual, well, actually that was the last story, but I just threw this one in here because I thought it was cool. And it has really relatively nothing, actually it has nothing to do with comic books. So apologies for that. But regardless, Wizards of the Coast unveils Spelltable Beta. 
Uh, it's an online platform to help stores stream paper Magic the Gathering events via webcam. I know we got some Magic the Gathering people out there, and there are Magic the Gathering comic books out there, but still, I just thought I'd put this in here. So uh, it's a new beta, like I said, what, what I just said. So now basically you can stream your uh, your tabletop games of Magic. But I'm pretty sure there's been ways that people have been doing this already in this panorama. Um that requires a, a webcam and you point it at your table. And there's also, a matter of fact, Elgato put a um, a uh, slip mat down the way you could do basically green screen your, your table. So that's also cool. But yeah, so, so, you know, you can check that out if you're so inclined. That brings us to the end of this here podcast. But first, an ad read. Aren't you doing... Um... Unboxing? Yeah, I'll do that after that. You want to do it after the ad? Okay. Yeah, I'll do it after because I'll, I'll make our it quick last, and quick. Our last ad is for Wink, a personalized wine club. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. From rosé to cabernet to torronte, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Ever try an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your taste and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member and you can skip or cancel anytime. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash wink. That's cspn.us forward slash w-i-n-c. Wink wines through CSPN. Do it today. Agent uh, 70 doing his best John Mashita impression here. I love it. Uh, so yeah, really quick. Roddy Cat was telling us to hurry up before and I've been trying to hurry up ever since. Well, we've been trying. Well, we've been doing it anyway. So... All right, first, Toy Corner, uh, Show and Tell, all that kind of good mess. First of all, and I know Agent 70 is getting this already, so, boop. If, you, nice. if y'all follow my Instagram, you have seen this image already. It is the Marvel Legends Firestar figure that just came out, or has been slowly coming out. Uh, as you can see, it comes with, well, if you can kind of see it, comes with Miss Lion uh, and a couple of heads and a couple of things. Uh the accoutrement therein. So I now have an amazing friend, another amazing friend, which I don't think I have a, a Iceman. I'm not sure if I do or not. Now that I think about it. This is why I need to get a, that collector site that um I get on that collector site that uh, Agent 70's told me about. Oh, um, to just keep track of your collection? To keep track of stuff, yeah. Um, and also, uh, this came earlier in the week. I got another package with... Um, uh, apologies for the noise. But um, Marvel Champions, um, basically, uh, expansion deck. It's, uh, I don't know if you can see it. There we go. Now we can. Now we can. Yeah. Uh, it is Miss Marvel. This has been out for a while, but I just got it. And they, they, they steadily have been putting out uh, these hero decks and scenario decks. And I'm slowly starting to get uh, all of the, um, get all of the ones for the series before, you know. Well, luckily, it's still going strong, so I don't have to worry about them killing it anytime soon. But um, I want to definitely have them to do something with. Whenever I find a group of people to play with, which you can play solo also. Uh, so that's cool. But I had to get Miss Marvel. So, you know. Uh, next up, we got. Uh, whoops. Mm-hmm. Hold on a second. I think I got, it. I think I got this. Nope. You got to put it close to your chin. 
Right, there it is, there it is. Stop, stop, right there. Now hold it up a little higher. There it is, perfect. Oh, oh shit, hold on some ah, I have a situation going on here. Oh, no. That's fine. Okay, Run DMC pops uh, have been coming out. Um, I think we talked. We may have talked about this. There we go. Right. Uh, so that's the Run Pop right there. Um, I have the DMC Pop. Um, and of course, you cannot complete uh, the uh, trio without having a Jam Master J. That's cool. Do you intend to take them out of the boxes? I absolutely intend to take them out of the boxes. But again, it's, it's, it's you know, as you know, a matter of space, which uh, at this point right. is uh, as a at a premium. But and also got an Aaliyah one coming when that ever actually drops, because uh, that one's not actually out yet. But I'll, you know, when that comes out and I get it, I'll let you know. Oh, that folks gotcha. So yeah, did you get the did you get the Firestar at Best Buy? I did. I did. Nice. Yeah, um, I ordered it and it, and it came out today, and I had because it was kind of funny because um, uh, I was already out today, and I was like, well, I, assume, I figured as soon as they were open, I was going to be able to get it, but it took them a couple hours to get it. So assuming they didn't have them off the truck yet, or they didn't have anyone running to get them, so as soon as I got home, I got a notification that said, "Hey, your your um your 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 thing is in," so I had to put back on clothes and go back out and get it. That's the way it works. Although yeah. they do hold it for a few days, they you know, do. like like five days, I think, after it arrives. So you have a little bit of a cushion. Right. Uh, so I am eagerly awaiting mine to be del- to be uh, available for store pickup on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, by the time uh, we uh, reconvene for this show next week, I will have my amazing friend set up. Nice. Yeah, and like and, I wanted to get it for the, for, the show. So. No, I was gonna say, and just for and just for your uh, Iceman needs, that's actually one of the easier um, Legends figures to get. Although that might change, that might have changed now that Firestar is out, because more people will want to um, construct their uh, amazing friends. Mm-hmm. So I'm just mildly curious. I'm just gonna pop on our sponsor, Amazon. And see if uh, Iceman, this the the version of Iceman that most people use is the retro Iceman with the X on his belt. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna see if that is available on Amazon. Oh, it is, but I don't have good news because this was traditionally one of the cheaper ones to get. But as I said, as I suspected. With the release of Firestar, I think the demand for this particular Marvel Legend has gone up, and so, to no surprise, right, 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 and it makes that that makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna uh, pop on the Best Buy. I, unbelievably, Best Buy seems to have a decent um, stock of Marvel Legends. They're not the easiest to pick because. Um, Sometimes they'll send you random ones, which is like really wild, right. like a, you know, like from an assortment. So, and worth noting, I went. So I went in the store to pick it up because I was like, I didn't want to do to curbside, curbside, curbside just for that. So I went into the store <laughs> to pick it up, and uh, and it gave me a chance to kind of go in there and see what's what's up. Uh, I did go to the section where they would have Marvel levels, and it was pretty bare. <laughs> like it was bare. Like they had one Marvel Legends, and I think it was an X Men, and I can't remember who it was. Oh, it might have been, was it a Jean Grey or something? And I think it was a builder figure. Or I think, I'm not sure who it was. I don't remember who it was. But they had the, the one figure. But the rest of the plate, the, like, that one whole side was just bare. There was a couple of pops here and there and, and some other stuff. But 
no legends on the shelves. Yeah. One one cool thing that they had that I saw in their stock was uh, the Rogue and the Pyro, the two oh, figure nice. set. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in terms of what they had in stock, because they, you know, they, they actually have pre-orders for some of the stuff that has been announced recently, mm. but it's kind of cool that they actually have um, some recent stuff that's actually in demand, that's actually in stock that you can just order. Uh, like um, uh, the Thanos. Mm-hmm. The Thanos with the, uh, the the comic style Thanos with the with the um, the Infinity Gauntlet and the King Thanos head, and the uh, the Gwenum with the the Ghost Spider, they actually have that in stock online, and I know that's actually a pretty popular figure for a lot of people, and as well as the Miles Venomized Miles, mm. they have that in stock online too. So, uh, you know, that we're not you know, but Best Buy is not a sponsor, but um, that is definitely some place that you can look to see. Um, you know, and grab some stuff that might be more expensive somewhere else, or might be out of stock somewhere else. Yeah, I got my, I got that uh, Firestorm for tw- Firestar, excuse me, for twenty bucks, and it goes for a few dollars uh, more at other places, the more the right. more no, more no, more known places. Absolutely, you can still get the uh, the retro Mysterio. You can get the retro. Oh, it looks like the retro uh, Electro is sold out, but you can get the retro J Jonah Jameson. Mm. which i i haven't committed to getting but it's still it's still available yeah i've, I've been debating about that one because i kind of kind of sort of do want that one but haven't really like you combined it did you get the retro war machine already no uh not yet but the major uh, set they actually have it on best buy yeah and i know like I, said, I, uh, I think like i told you i think i've run across it at target a couple times also so um i can probably relatively easily get that one around here Gotcha. I was about to say that I've never seen in uh, other than my own that I ordered off of Amazon. I've never seen that in a store. Oh, so. in fact, now I remember what I saw. It was a it was a, a Falcon and Bucky. Uh, yes, it was a Falcon and Bucky set that was in a two pack. Yeah, probably in 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 advance of the of the television show. That's interesting. Mm. Yeah, because it was the Infinity War uh, um, uh, set, I guess. Because if I remember, that was on there. So yeah, that was it. Was that one? There was another one that was uh, up a little bit, and that was a front and next one, one that I can't remember. But that was the only two that were pretty much there. That's interesting. Hmm. Well, yeah, uh, and and just to just to wrap, uh, I know for a fact that the uh, the Marvel Legends section in the local Best Buys that I go to are almost always stripped bare. Hmm, gotcha. There's almost always like one rando figure. You know, when the X Men. Uh, that 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 retro uh, ice uh, um, that retro X Men line came out. That one particular wave. I'm pretty sure the only one that was laying around was I want to say Iceman, mm-hmm. which is the, ironically the one that you need. Right. Assuming I don't already have it. Right. So cool. Yeah, I would definitely like I said once I take some stock and try to figure out you know I, whether I do have it or not. I would definitely because definitely got got enough Spideys. So <laughs> I'm two thirds of the way there to my amazing friend set. Uh, and on that note, folks, we are here at the end of the show. Uh, we're going to get out of here because it's way late. It's almost one. O- it is actually one o'clock. So with that, I am Rodicad. You can find me at Rodicad on Twitter. You can find me at News Notice Need on Twitter. You can find me at CBCaps on Instagram. Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. 
Um, I should forego these because they ain't here anyway. But PCN underscore dirt on Twitter, Pop Culture Net on Twitter, popculturenetwork.com. All of them real sites they're in, and also probably Byte, BYTE, the Vine replacement under comic reviews, no vowels. My counterpoint is we had uh, their clicks of the week. Yeah. Sure. Still not here. Tim, B O G G 98 on Twitter. Follow him on that. There's a Cyrus of this ish. Uh, also, CB Cron on Twitter. Uh, which is the Combo Chronicles uh, Twitter account? Definitely go check that out. You know, send some send some good shots over there. And, you know, say hey, say hey. You know, questions, comments, concerns if you got them. But you know, don't be harsh. Um, uh, the 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 Click Nation on Twitter, theclicknation.com. That's D K L I Q N A T I O N, all one word. But also, you can find him at uh, again the YouTube channel. YouTube, uh, well. Uh, yeah, we'll get that in a second. Uh, you can also find him at Comic Book Resources, where he's writing his face off. That's cbr.com. Uh, in fact, if you go to the show notes, you will see under the host, you will see a link to his uh, his um, writings there. You should definitely go check it out, get that man some clicks, and just actually read the stuff because it does it does some good shit. Um, you can find this here podcast on your podcast provisional place of choice. But, but first, you can actually find it on the Coast of the Podcast Network, that's cspn.us. Do it today. But again, you can find it at your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, a.k.a. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coast of the Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Click like and subscribe. And you can also catch us every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m. We kind of ran a little late uh, for kind of partially my fault, but it doesn't really matter who's. Um, but uh, 9.30 p.m. on Thursday nights when, is when we record on YouTube slash, youtube.com slash declignation or uh, twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. And make sure to hit like and subscribe. Indeed, especially on the comic book, uh, the, the Twitch channel because we're trying to get to 50 followers so we can kind of upload some some extra stuff up there for you fans. And we're, again, going to start streaming at some point. So, folks, with that, this has been the Comic Book Chronicles. This also has been, by the way, uh, I totally forgot to mention, you, and I asked you to remember that we had an 8th anniversary. Our 8th anniversary of the Comic Book Chronicles was this past Sunday. So this thing has been going strong for eight years. So happy anniversary to this here show. Yay! And with that, finally, this has been the Combo Chronicles. Peace. Peace. One. We're taking it back. I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> nice. Nice.